Experience true vulnerability, how to overcome trials. You will laugh, cry, and experience everything in between. Welcome to the King of Corona podcast. Brought to you by Tyler Griffith. Oh, yeah. I can hear you. Hey. All right. You can hear me. Okay, (laughs) good. Wow, this thing is so stupid. It's like. You have to call like 15 times and I finally connect. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, the fifth time, the eighth time. Yeah, right? Yeah. So you've been thinking about this, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Satan's trying to stop the story from getting out with all these, right? technical, di- with all these technical difficulties. <laughs> Just kidding. Something. I seriously, kidding. Uh, I tried to record something. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, too, my audio was coming across like I had a lisp. Like everything was like, hey, this is Tyler. I, thought, <laughs> I was like, what the freak is happening right now? <laughs> right. So, all right, let's pick up where you left off. All right. Where did we leave off? <clears throat> so you had just talked about how, like, that decision that you gave up oh, yeah. a child and yeah. how you look back now and you're like, I mean, the conditioning and the conditioning and all that kind of yeah. played a big role in why that happened. All right. Okay. So we'll go from there. So um, I wrote down, so we'll start with like his birth then. Or okay. finding, I guess even just like finding his parents. So it was important to me that I knew someone who knew someone. Like I wanted yeah. some, some connection, someone I knew and trusted who could like vouch that these were good people. And, yeah, and so important. there's a, yeah, there's a lady in my ward at the time who was getting like her PhD uh-huh. and they pretty much just lived there cause she was in school, but she was from Idaho and you know, she, she's a therapist and took me out to lunch to kind of talk and just kind of like a therapist would like neutral unbiased, just like, Hey, there's a story about, you know, my sister who had a baby when she wasn't married And it helped, it helped change her life for the better and just really encouraging. She's like, but if you are considering adoption, like I have a cousin and his wife haven't, haven't been able to have a baby. And anyway, so they flew out and I met them and decided I liked them and chose them. And yeah. Yeah. How was that decision though? Like, because (laughs) like, how do you, like, how do you decide what to do in that situation? Like, if you're trying to help a teenager that's having a baby right now, what do you tell them? I've had, you know, I've had a few people ask me this who have been in a bishopric or bishop's wife or something, and they're like, what should we do? And I just say, just let them know how loved they are and that you'll support whatever decision they make and that it's, it's up to them. Yeah. But See, if I were to talk to someone personally, I say find every way you can to keep your baby yeah. Yeah. You picked this family. Yeah. So how old was your baby? Um, well, he was placed two days after his birth. Okay, so it was right away. Yeah, so like they had me sign adoption papers at LDS Family Services before he was born, which I now know that that's not legal. Wait, what? what? How does that work? It's not, you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. They're like the adopt. They were the adoption company between us, and they don't do adoptions anymore. 
<laughs> Thankfully. Wait, that was like, that's not even legal. It's not legal to sign adoption papers before a child's been born. Oh. You have to wait till after the baby's been born to sign them. And so I had already signed and my parents had already signed and my boyfriend had already signed before he was even born. So is the reason because you become people change their mind probably. I think so, yeah. So they they try to make sure you sign those so legally after you have the baby, if you change your mind, it's like sorry you've already signed the papers. Like what did they get? Like why would they in your opinion want that to happen, I guess? I would get, you know, and this is one of the things I had a client who did the, um, like the Native American program where they placed them with families in the church and he left the reservoir. And I just thought, you know, he'd watch his mom drive away and hope that she would turn around and come back for him. And I just thought, why would the church do this? Yeah. And my guess would just be probably statistically single moms in the situation I was in probably don't stay active in the church. Yeah, and they're probably thinking that the kids and on these reservations won't stay active, or their parents won't be active, and so it's like, well, if we can take a couple in the church, because at some point, if they never have kids, they're gonna feel like there isn't a place for them. I think this is a way to keep a couple and keep kids in the church, because otherwise, they they may not be in the church. So is this like, is this your first? bad taste of like like is this kind of where things started nope not yet still it just was a huge thing later when like it feels like the veil was lifted for me yeah that's right where it's like you look back like like better advisors or better just better like just a and you're kind of trapped a paradigm that you maybe don't even want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the the most difficult part was it wasn't people in my ward. Like my mom's best friend in our ward was like, you know, I know that the church handbook says that you should place a baby for adoption if the parents aren't gonna get married. But you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, so it's like the, the people in my ward were very loving, very kind about it. But it was like the things coming from higher up, you know, like what's in the church handbook, what's in the enzyme, what's in the music, what's in all these other things that we're looking to that influenced it the most. But it wasn't judgment or anything. My ward, they were very kind. So but, you feel like <clears throat> to keep the baby, it wouldn't have been like, Everybody would have been supportive. Would better know. Yeah, I felt like people would have supported me, and I, I, you know, I had a girl who I had babysat who was young, and she asked, you know, if my, I mean, she caught on that I was pregnant, and was like, I thought you had to have a husband to be pregnant, you know. And her <laughs> mom was like, No, you, you don't. Like, not everybody has to. Like, she was real, really nice and respectful in the way that she responded to yeah, it. Okay. And so. But yeah, so then the day, you know, I go, <laughs> and my mom would be like, well, it's your first baby, you'll be late. I came a week early. 
So they were planning, the parents were planning to be at the birth. They live in Idaho. <clears throat> and, and then I just had to call like, um, like his cut, our middle person in our ward and be like, you might want to tell them to come because we just, I'm going to the hospital right now. And then they're like looking up plane tickets. It's like, okay, it's confirmed. I'm in labor. So they're like buying the next plane ticket to get here. So they didn't make it in time, but yeah, they were there the next morning. And then like, yeah. For whatever reason, like the conditioning and what you were thinking at the time is like, I'm not well equipped enough to take care of this. Like the right thing and the best thing for this child is to be with somebody else that's got like, like I get yeah yeah I remember yeah I was like you know they're married they've graduated college they have a house they can stay home like my my mom would always push how important it was to be a stay-at-home mom as if it was like the best thing ever and how she wished she could have and so I needed a family where the mom could stay home and he was going to be the oldest if I kept him. So it was important to me that he was the oldest um, with them. So I wanted him to be their first child. Yeah. And this was an LDS couple, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, but, you know, LDS Family Services is like, you know, 100% of the kids placed through us get married in the temple. <laughs> and I thought. Um, I'm sure that that is not true, but that is what I was told. That's crazy. Like so that I'm like thinking really... like, okay, this is good. Yeah. Like, like, or like, this is how good it is. Like if you place your child for adoption through us, we, we know they're going to really good families and they will get married in the temple one day. And you, and it's like, it's important thing. And right. so for you, you're like, a hundred percent guaranteed placement in the temple. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and like, 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 oh, okay, that's not the most important thing in life. Yeah, no, it's not. Huh. And so, so then, um, at the hospital, my boyfriend, you know. He eventually gets there. He left to go smoke weed to calm down, which I was just pissed being this LDS girl in the hospital giving birth to a baby who's never done that. I'm just like, you're stressed? Like, you get to leave and smoke weed because you're stressed. Oh, he's so mad. I'm going to for sure. (laughs) So we... So I have him at like middle of the night kind of thing and so he boyfriend stays with me that night that but he couldn't stay the second night it was too hard for him so he left and did not see him again and so i that was it that was it one day old what happened after this experience Um, we stayed together for Let's see, this is just before my senior year. We stayed together until a little bit before prom. We didn't. I didn't take him to prom. We were we were done done by that point. That I never that I did not ask him to go to prom with me. So he uh, he ended up being just so toxic later 
is then this is how I have a different view now, but in the moment it was like, he's doing drugs, he's drinking. He would disappear for days and I would worry about him. I had to go pick him up. He not, hadn't gotten his license bill and he was 18. And so he would be in like sketchy places and I would try to go and pick him up. I, I snuck out of my house so many times to go like save him. After the. Yeah, after the other. So he, yeah. So it hit him hard, like it, like really. Yeah. His life. Now, perceived everything. Yeah. Big time, oh. and um, and then he just had you know a lot of regret for not staying with me, the yeah. whole time, and and kind of like falling through that I had was just me and not me and him, and like he started saying that like Satan spoke to him. And I mean, I think now it's like hallucinating, but like that he would like, it'd be dark and he'd see red eyes and that like this voice would like talk to him. Eventually it was just like, I just can't do this. Like I can't do a relationship like this. Oh, that's kind of like, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's talking to, I would be like, I have to. You and your Satan things a little bit, uh, cons- right? <laughs> just run in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Yeah. So we yeah we break up. I stay in Michigan for about another year, finish hair school, and then my family moves to the south. Okay. Um. Let's see. Oh, so that summer. So the summer is when I had smoked weed a lot. <laughs> after I graduated and it was one of those things that I was like I like this but it's wrong so eventually I had to stop I was like I will only do it this summer and then I'm done and so I just did it for a summer I tried shrooms once kind of had my experimenting because I was like all the guys my age now are on missions yeah. I was like all the Mormon boys are on missions they don't <laughs> like this is my time and then I will repent <laughs> And then I will marry. And- <laughs> it's such a <laughs> like a couple of years to get a live your life, and then you basically try to clean up and get ready for us return. And yep. we don't know what uh-huh. the fuck just happened to us. <coughs> Look, it, who it, can it, get married the fastest? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, so you did true. So I'm. Like yeah, and I, I remember going in and talking to my bishop when I was done and telling him that I did those things to repent. Yeah, and and he um, I was just I even just told him I was like honestly I do not understand what's wrong with this. I think that these could be beneficial. Yeah, but I'm gonna have faith that they're. Not what God wants us to do right now. Doubt your doubts before you doubt. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's what I did. But you know, that quote hadn't came out yet. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was my right. favorite quote ever. Oh, Uchtdorf. Good old Uchtdorf. And so, uh... <laughs> but yeah, and then like, uh, so then when I, when I wouldn't get back with, um, when I, my ex he said like who's gonna want to marry you anyway 
like what return missionary is going to want to be with you? You like basically like you're already damaged goods. Ooh, that's hurtful. That sucked. That I mean, yeah, you, that pro- sucked. you believed it too. That's the sad part is you probably like deep down believed to, that was up true. until he's up until he said it. I did believe that. But as soon as he said it, I said, you know what? Like in my mind in that moment, this was the spirit speaking to my heart. And so I said, you know what? One day I am going to find a return missionary who wants to marry me and loves me for who I am. I was like, and as soon as I tell him all these things I've done wrong, like he's going to reassure me that he loves me. Like I know I will find him. It sucks so bad though that you were on finding a return like oh, you had to find be. like think of how limited and my the whole world were. Mm-hmm. and they had they had to be a return missionary because i made a huge sacrifice to fix my wrong for god's will and if I, you know it's like i've sacrificed raising my firstborn because it's what it was God's will, right? Um, and so it's like if you're not sense. willing to sacrifice two years of your life, then you're not worth my time. Exactly. So imagine unless you have a damn unless you have a damn good reason for why you didn't serve, right? Like unless like your mom was dying or something, yeah. and you were like, you know, like you had to have a real good reason why you didn't serve a mission. Imagine the pressure from like a male. Like- missionary and then yeah think about all the introvert guys out conversations with people and like they just get thrown into a third doors to you in the morning all you do and it's like scriptures which and then you're well you get a call home twice a year and then do emails once a week as much the world yeah yeah but like imagine how hard that is like an eight now eight like and he's doing knows how the girls feel about it and he wants to marry a girl like of his choice mm-hmm. and he knows he like gets a on this stupid ass fucking mission right and when my when let's see the two siblings between me and my youngest brother were never really active in the church like after they left the house they didn't do church anymore and so my youngest brother served his mission let's see when he was when he was 18 they switched it to 18 year olds could serve that's so horrible so i was like no you can't leave yet we weren't expecting like you're not supposed to leave for a while so he still waited till he was 19 but um and he had some things to repent and move on for but i remember my mom saying like you know, you have to go on a mission. Like, talking to him about, like, who's going to want to date you and also using that for, like, his eagle, you know, like, all this stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, Mom, you can't, you cannot do that. You cannot tell him he needs to serve a mission or get his eagle for a girl. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, that was so important. I never got... Oh, right. My husband didn't either. That you didn't like, yeah. like girls like you. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point I had already like when my brother went I had already um 
I was like in my last semester of my bachelor's and like like a teacher did like one of my professors did like studies on like return missionaries who were sent home early and how depressing it is and what they have to deal with so I had already had the compassion for those missionaries like I had already let's see my brother left when I was 25 I didn't get married till I was 25 which is very old and probably yeah you were like ancient ancient I was a menace to society so you were like gray hair about dead almost by the time mm-hmm. you tried. right yep <laughs> I went I went through the temple when I was 23 yeah. and I became a temple I became a temple an ordinance worker cool. in Provo the, and the Provo all the old live, ladies right? is that live ceremonies no it's not live no just Salt Lake and Manti's live but um but like everyone all the time would be like, why aren't you married? And it was like, okay. I mean, sh- the temple is not a place for single people. It's yeah, awkward. No. It's definitely not. A- and then you like get your guard. You're they- basically like a nun at that point. Like you can't do anything with guys. And so you've already experienced mm-hmm. like stuff. And now you're like, I am holy now. I don't experience anything. Right. How long did that go on? Right. Well, let's, let's back up. <laughs> All right. so, so I moved to Utah and I've got now one year until the guys like my age come home from their mission. Right. So it's like, yeah. I'm not looking for a husband yet. I'm okay. just trying to have fun. So pretty much I was like, according to Mormon standards, like I would be a party girl. I went to every Provo or um, dance party. I do not dance like a Mormon girl. I'm grinding and Ooh, yeah. I am like, you're going to be turned on if you dance with me. <laughs> but all the guys want to dance with. <laughs> I'm the one they like want to be with, but they don't want to marry. That was. You're, no, you're the one that, that they was... do. You're the one that they do want to marry. They don't know how to handle, they don't know how to handle me. There you go. <laughs> I'm, that's, that's I'm, I'm, right. I'm a lot. Yeah. And I have all the guys. The golden wife. No, 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 we don't do those. No, we don't. Yeah, yeah, we. I don't do those. Okay. <laughs> Just but like, there'd be like a lot of like house parties or like at the uh, Noah's in Pleasant Grove before uh-huh. it was like more for weddings. It used to be for. So, um, you know, you'd have like a stoplight party, you know, you wear green if you're single, yellow if you're kind of dating someone, red if you're taken. <laughs> you know, like all those. I mean, I would like all of them. People knew me. Like I could walk down the halls at UVU and know so many people like wave. Like my roommate would be like, you are like the phone book or whatever. Like, you know, everybody. And I'm yeah. like, I do. I'm very extroverted. I'm very friendly. I'm a huge flirt. I made a lip, you know, like in pro, I remember, let's see, the first couple months I was there, they were like, girls were like counting how many boys they made out with. And I was like, huh? that's a thing. You like, in my yeah. world, you only count how many people you've had sex with. Right. And so I like go and make a list. And my, my husband ended up being number 70. What? <clears throat> yeah. So <laughs> there was a 71, but I, but I wasn't cheating when I'm, we were just dating and then I happened to kiss somebody else. You but were very uh experienced. I was very oh yes. And he my husband didn't even know the extent. Like I sort of like when he asked how many people I had sex with, I sort of 
was like grayish like like this many but it wasn't entirely honest because you know like when you do like a what was it called docking when you like just go in but you don't move and you're like oh, it doesn't yeah. count yeah, I didn't awesome. include those yeah yeah <laughs> I still lived my party girl yeah and like the church probably and the beliefs probably kept me a little more tame because I would have had sex with a lot more people <laughs> and been a lot crazier if if it wasn't for the church so this is so time your first sexual encounter was your boyfriend yeah yeah and then this like two year, so this like fuck wild. Oh, look, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Like, how, how... Um, Total? let's see. Well, we would have broken up at eighteen. <laughs> I didn't get married till I was twenty five. I had a lot of years. Oh, okay, I see. In there, but like my first <laughs> semester, I meet this guy right he's from las vegas which is flashy i've never been to vegas like i'm you know i'm like oh this is exciting he sees me at church and he tells his cousin who's in my ward he's like i'm gonna marry that girl and i was like and i never met him and then later he went back home to vegas his cousin was like my cousin is so into you and i was like why didn't he talk to me so anyway he gets my phone number calls me we talk every day for hours he visits I, I mean, he's like my guy, right? Like, yeah. I had that spiritual confirmation. Like when I finally told him about having a baby, he was like, wow, like I have prayed for someone like you. Like I prayed for someone who's been through hard things. And is- he like wanted to marry someone who looked like he didn't want the stereotypical good girl who follows all the rules because okay. there's a difference from people who really understand the atonement, you know, like when yeah. you've really had to go through. Like speaking in Mormon, you know, when you're when you're all the us and and you're just like they really understand it. Like when you've gone through hard shit and you're like, wow, Jesus loves me anyway. Like I could forgive myself. I didn't hold yeah. on to those things. I was like, you know what? I'm forgiven. It's gone. Like I'm not going to feel bad about having sex when I was so young because you know what? I've been forgiven and my Savior loves me. And the atonement doesn't work if I don't use it. That's a good feeling, isn't it? It is. You're not as bad as you once thought you were. Yeah. And I always struggled with that cognitive dissonance because I was like, you know what? Like, sex feels so good. Why would this be bad? Like, God made this to feel good. Why should I feel guilty about that? Like, I'm not sleeping around with a bunch of people. Like, I'm in a relationship with someone I had wanted to marry. And so I would have that, like, well, the church thinks they're saying one thing, but I feel a very different way. So it was... It it was just sort of like, well, like, I like me, but I feel like a lot of other people don't like me. Or. <laughs> so, yeah. do you feel so like. Meet this... oh, yeah. Wait, let me ask you a question mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Do you feel like with that many partners, do you feel like. Okay, well, the, the, sev- the 70 was makeouts, not sex. Oh, okay, <laughs> you got to clarify that because I thought this was sex. Oh, shoot. Okay, I'm glad I clarified that. No. No, yeah. no, no, no. The girls made people. a list of boys. No, the girls had like... made a list of guys they had kissed. And I was uh, like, well, in my world, we only make a list of. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, let's keep a list of who I make out with then. Okay. So, so yeah, yes, so you, not, sex. Had... not sex. Not sex. And everything in sight, like a little like. Oh, God, no. 
that's chihuahuas that's jumping on everybody's legs and just like going. <laughs> no, I probably have sex with <laughs> maybe seven. I think oh, seven. Okay. My, there you my go. husband thought he was number five, but then there was like two that probably should have counted. <laughs> well, that's the thing too. It's like honestly, it was like two, two or like, but like so blurry. Even really, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So that's it. Like, there's my gun in a blurry, nightmarish mess. Oh no! Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, okay, it's not seventy. I just but I had like, no, yeah, no, no, yes. I, I was like, okay, well, I was clear. But um. <laughs> But to me, it was like, I don't want regrets. Like, I'm going to I was like, I only want to get married once. And I don't want to marry that person thinking like, oh, what if I had done this? Or I wish I had done this more. And so it was like, because I knew you could repent and be forgiven and feel, be- and feel better. I also allowed myself to experience some life because I knew that I, yes, because I knew I could repent. And I was like, I would feel worse if later I really regretted that I didn't do this stuff now. Because I was like, that's a lot. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I've talked to a lot of people, you probably have also, where, like, there's no experimentation. Yeah. If you're like, you do kind of. For me, like, me, and I feel like I just did a podcast with my brother, and, like. Yeah. Yeah, listen to it. We always be. Sex with our. People that we married. You basically go from like friend girlfriend, like sort of fooling around to you're married. That experience, like, it's right. a pretty crazy. Yeah, it is. I can't imagine. Yeah, and like no experience, like you have no sexual identity, like for yourself. But imagine, so like, if you're in high school. They hover and they like are controlling and they basically are watching and controlling everything you do. So you you have a hard time mm-hmm. getting off of their leash at all when you're at home. And then you get on a mission at age 18. You don't really stand right. a chance. You can't. Right. And I'm pretty sure that's why they changed the mission age 18 because they were yeah. losing too many. Yeah. It's because we got that. Went to college and got experience life, which is, I feel like, a back to leave the church what real life was like and it's yeah life you can enjoy things that maybe you horrible yeah yeah so so we okay so funny so my so yes okay a lot in my first semester of college over here because i'm new to utah at this point and there's so many things. So we had played like a spin the bottle game with me and some of my roommates and the guys who lived in the apartment across the hall. So there's girls kissing each other. And that was something that I ha- had been interested in. I had, I mean, I'd kissed a couple girls I went to school with, like high school with after and, you know, went to a strip club a few times and <laughs> yeah. really, ex- ex- really, really enjoyed life. So yeah, um, just experience. Yeah, and those people were, I mean, I was still in Michigan the first year after I graduated. So now those, I mean, that wasn't against anyone's morals there. So there was no, 
you know, it wasn't like, oh, should we be doing this? It was like, this is what they're doing. If I want friends, this is what we're doing. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, say, so I, re- I know I had gone to talk to my bishop about having had sex with someone that summer. And I mentioned it, we talk about it. And then I happened, I knew my roommates were going to talk to him about our spin the bottle game because they were feeling bad. Yeah. Because it was like a strips. It was like a strip spin the bottle or something. I don't. It was wild. Yeah, it got a little bit. <laughs> it got a little crazy for Mormon standards. Yes, and so I tell him that how I had kissed girls, and that's the part he blew up about. I was shocked. He was way more like that is so wrong that I kissed a girl than that I had sex with a guy. Wait, who was? And that was my the bishop. The bishop was. And that was my first real, and I think that semester was also the Prop 8 thing in California, or soon after that. I had never seen how against homosexuality the church was until then. Right? It's pretty bad. They, I don't know if that is new, or if it was just not that way in the world I grew up in. I, I guess we didn't really have to deal with it. Nobody was trying to come who was gay, I guess, but. Everybody place in the closet where you had some brave yeah. souls that's think about what social media did for all that like pushed, pushed, pushed things on the church and there they yeah. Yeah. I have a gay brother and it's just like I'm watching like how unsupportive they are they try to pretend like they're there for people. How are church where you feel safe? Yeah. Yeah. You can't. There isn't. But yeah, so that was just surprising to me how sinful they viewed that because I didn't, I, I guess I didn't, hadn't really seen that as sinful until yeah. I was 19. Um, but yeah, so I meet the one return missionary, right? Who I tell everything. It's my revelation. I'm going to marry him. And what do we do? We have sex. Oh, so yes. (laughs) And I'm his first and he got home from a mission just a few months ago. (gasps) He has like, he has screwed up big time. So big time. Oh yeah. And it is, this is my fault. Uh, yeah. I mean, not entirely, but I am um, <laughs> a, Je- a Jezebel. <clears throat> and so I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, I think we dated for five and a half months, but we probably only had sex 10 times within like a three week period. But this guilt carried on to the months. Like, we actually ended up, I couldn't stand Utah. His mom wasn't a fan of me so we actually ended up moving to live with his brother and sister-in-law in Arizona for two months can you imagine living with somebody for two months who you want to marry and have had sex with and don't have sex no. and not have sex yeah insane right can't imagine that insane yeah yeah so yeah we're living together two months with his family and we we don't have sex but you know. Oh. Anyway, we end up breaking up. Doesn't work out. Never get back together. And it takes me like five years to get over it. 
<laughs> because to me, that spiritual revelation was so strong. It was like, I knew it. Cause it was like a two part revelation. It was like me telling my ex, I will find this guy who accepts me. And then part two, finding the guy who accepts it and feeling so strong about this revelation. Yeah, that sucks, because it's like there's 7 billion people on the planet, so like this one guy gets it, there's 15 bazillion, but you're like so convinced these revelations are Mm -hmm. like, it's so weird how your mind is programmed to think so like, so what, so wrong? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then that's like that time frame's like the first time I had heard like you could marry anybody in the church like as long as they have the same goals as you you can make it work with anybody. But then I'm sitting there like well then why isn't it working as I turn 21 and then 22 and then 23 and then 24 and I just it was just like well where like am I ever going to get married? Like what is going on? Yeah. And it's just such a depressing place in Provo, Utah to be 25 graduating and not married i could imagine because what like the average age of the girl that gets married there is what probably 20 yeah i think so yeah and guys probably 22 23 i would imagine yeah and then there's like no guys left my age i mean i'm dating guys who are like way younger than me (laughs) at that point like that's like i think i want to date with someone like four years younger than me and i was like no i can't i can't do this like i i I had already had it in my mind that i would probably be marrying a man who was divorced and might possibly have a child (laughs) at that point like i was like i'm 25 (laughs) who am i gonna marry like there's no guy older than me who (laughs) what a weird world and i tried to like get my brain ready for that. Like, okay, you'll probably find someone who's divorced who has kids. Like, you, you're going to have to be okay being a stepmom. Like, that was just... Nar- you're going to have to marry a narcissistic asshole. That- probably. <laughs> no, I like, wouldn't, do, oh. wouldn't do that. And not that there would be anything wrong with marrying someone who's divorced with kids, but, like, I guess it was like, well, there's no one anyone older than you who's single at this point there's probably a reason they're single <laughs> so, yeah. well the fact that that's so, your thought process is just like that's for you because it's like if you weren't in the church 25 you're just a normal all my person options just i know 25 so young mm-hmm. 25 is normal and um yeah and at this point i had also gone through that my parents got we're getting divorced. I went oh. through the temple when they were getting divorced. So my, that was when my dad had had an affair. Yeah. And that was, that was really hard. There's not a lot of research on a, on adult kids who go through their parents getting divorced. There's a lot on younger kids, but there's not a lot on adults. Well, so there wasn't a lot to turn to. The same thing happened with my ex. We were basically engaged dating when her and like similar stuff was happening with her parents and so like trust and all that stuff yeah it's the person she trusted most it's just like yeah every your whole world shifts and then together when it's up right and i'm like okay i'm 23 three my parents are getting divorced like my dad's my hero i think he's amazing yeah 
And so it was just like, you got to be, there's just so many times I just pulled over because I couldn't drive because I couldn't see because I was just sopping my eyes out. Like, I can't believe you did that. Because he he was excommunicated. And I knew that the church meant everything to him. Yep. And it was just like, now if I get married, you're not, like, you're not going to see me get married now. And he he didn't. I couldn't come in the temple to my marriage either, to my wedding. Yeah. And it's hard. It's just so sad for everyone all around because okay is he gone like does he have hours oh no it says what the freak why won't this just work ever Let's see here. Is it your? Is it saying it's your connection or my connection's bad? I think it uh I think it's by the Wi-Fi. I think you need it to be on Wi-Fi to work. And then we just got to mute this if it works. Is it working? Oh, no. Um... Why did it kick us out? Like, what happened? So just like disconnected, huh? Okay. Yeah, when I was in the bishop's office, so I I basically went just out of like respect for Jamie, because I was like, well, I kind of feel bad. I don't really know how to repent. I was like, what would you, what would you like me to do? And I was like, do you want me to go through this church repentance process? So I went to the bishop, and I was like, um, so this is what happened. What's going to happen now? And he's like, well, you're either going to get excommunicated or disfellowshipped. And I was like, what's the difference? And he's like, well, if you get excommunicated, you can't blah, you can't this. You can't pay your tithing. And I was like, and then I said, oh, no, I get to keep my money. <laughs> and he was like, are you going to take this seriously? And I was like, honestly, I'm not really here because I, like, believe in this. I'm just here out of respect for, like, my wife, you know. But then they disfellowshipped me, and then I never went back because I was like, what am I going to do? Come here and not even have a voice? Like, you guys are a joke. 
yeah, it's like, it's, I don't want to come. I don't want to be here. I'm here because I'm like trying to help you guys make this a more normal place. And now you're saying I can't talk anymore. Sit on. Oh, it, 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 oh, yes. All right, mute this. Yes. All right, maybe this will work. Okay. <laughs> maybe we can get through this, huh? <laughs> All right. So we're talking about your dad. He got excommunicated. And then I don't know if that's exactly where we left off, but kind of around there. Yeah, around there, yeah. So they get divorced. That's a hard time. You know, I'm going to the temple a lot to make it, um, you know, I guess just feeling like I'm trying to do everything I can. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause like when somebody close to you goes through leaving, you're like, it like makes you want to be more in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I'm probably going to the temple like several days a week. At one point I was a temple worker on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And then I would do ordinances day, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Like two days I would do endowments, two days I would do initiatories, and then two days I would be an ordinance worker. Like I was really like getting those brownie points in heaven. Plus I wasn't married and I was like, you know what? The I want to marry will go to the temple often. So I might I might meet him in the temple and how beautiful yeah. would that be? That's amazing. Is that what happened? It would No. No, oh, it's not. <laughs> no, no, yeah, right. No, no, I don't have an. I remember there was even like the Mormon Bachelor. Oh, do you ever hear about that? that? Mormon that, Bachelor. Like, no. Yeah, it was pretty lame. But everybody had to submit videos, and then the website they would like feature certain girls, and I was like featured. So like a lot of people <laughs> recognized me. From being on that video. Yes, I really had random people who were like, wait a second, you look familiar. Oh, and I'm just like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I never heard about that. It was just like a Oh, yeah. Don't. Or, uh... If you just like YouTube Mormon Bachelor, you'll find something. If you YouTube, you'd need my maiden name. I won't. But my video's still out there, and I'm just like, this is so corny. Ooh, I'm gonna, I'll find, I'll find it and send it to you. It's so <laughs> All right, let me. It's let me so embarrassing. This. It's it's ridiculous, but hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So that's like. So now I'll go to like meeting my husband because a lot of a lot of the like more hard stuff is after after being married. Yeah. But um, so we, my sister sets us up on a blind date. I meet him. I think he's a nice guy. Not that interested. I don't want another date for nine months with him. Yeah. Not for lack of trying on his end. And then I think um, for about five months, we went on dates and I think I blew him off like 15 times where it was like, I'd say, that poor, that poor man. This is your I was, husband, right? This is my husband. <laughs> yes. Um, because he was from Nephi, Utah. And I had already dated boys from Utah and boys from Utah want to stay in Utah. And I did not want to stay in utah so i you was knew like that. you were like out of here. here yes and i needed someone who knew what the real world was like i was like i cannot have these any more sheltered mormon boys and they can't handle me like i'm a lot 
Yeah. Like I, I knew I wouldn't have an easy life. I was like, I need someone who can like, re- you know, he's just, he's just this small town boy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're like, if you're raised, cause they, if you're raised in like a, the right town or the wrong town, like, so my ex was raised in Rexburg, Idaho. Yeah. So that is, they can really control mm-hmm. a lot. Your, nar- your narrative. Yeah. Once your high schools, it's your mm-hmm. colleges, it's your, like the community, it's everything. Jobs. Like you everything. have to know the right person to get a job there. Got to have yeah, the right so, last name. <laughs> yeah. So how, like, I think people think maybe, well, that's, that's, uh, you can't say that they're all like that type thing. <laughs> But you can say, like, if you're raised a certain way, like you're going, like we talked about already, like you could have conditioning and stuff that makes you, like, different than what you were looking for. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I I just didn't. My It was so much of my sister trying. Like, my sister would really just be like, just do this. Don't blow him off. He's a nice guy. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I remember, what did I say? I... I took a day, like we, oh, also because part of it was like when I told him everything, he was, he was judgmental. Like I had confirmation that my husband would love and accept me (laughs) no matter what I did. And he, and he is not loving and accepting this. And it was like, you're not the one, but you know, he, he apologized. He came around and I just was just like, I don't, you know, whatever. So after trying to like end it, I just, I called my dad and just talked to him about it. He's like, you know, you never call me and talk about boys like this. So I think that that means you have like that he's important to you. So you might want to give this another shot. I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he also was a person who was like, I think after three dates with someone, he was, I was like, dad, I think this person's gonna ask, I think he would ask me to marry him. Like, this is ridiculous. My dad's like, well, you better pray, you better pray and get an answer. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, my, they were just ready for me to be married. They're like, we want grandkids. Like, please get married. You're like, you're like an old th- lady walking around. Oh, yeah. Pain. When I was 21, my mom was like, you know, Alessandra, not everybody gets married in this life. Whatever. Like, she did not. She say did. That she, real? she said that when I was 21. She, mm-hmm. she was born. She my family did not think that. My, oh yeah, but she took it. So, I mean, she is like, you have to have at least four kids to be considered a Mormon family. And I was like, I'm not, I'm three. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think maybe maybe she got her confirmation and you got a fourth coming somehow. Like stork. No, I just say my first one, my first one I placed for adoption. He makes four. So I'm like, I mean, technically I do have four. four. There you go. So, uh, so we get together. It's going to work out, right? My little brother's leaving on a mission. Uh-huh. We get engaged and we get married 19 days later because my little brother leaves for a mission one week after we get married. You know, I was like, he has, he has to be there. I'm like, my dad, my dad can't be at the what wedding because he's effort. excommunicated. My brother just underneath me is not active. He can't get a separate weapon. I was like, I need at least one person in my family who can come. So I was like, you marry me in May or we could get married in two years. But by that point, we're probably going to have screwed up, you know? Like, what am I no. not? 
you couldn't be good for two years with somebody. <laughs> Could no, you imagine no, going no. for two years with somebody? Right. right. Do you know what's and... crazy? I was with my ex for two. We dated for two years. We never had sex. Imagine. Uh, imagine that. Imagine the discipline. Uh, imagine the fear of God. Right. Us. That was just not going to happen. So embarrassing. <laughs> So it was like, well, we can. So that was what was kind of funny. Like he was so like, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. And then by the time I committed, I was like, well, then let's do this now. And he's like, like what the hell just happened? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get married and in my mind, I'm thinking, let's wait at least a year before you try to have a baby. Like, let's make sure that this actually is going to work. Because I had already yeah. seen too many people get divorced, and I definitely didn't want to be divorced with kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Not "Let's <laughs> gonna work. Let's make sure this is gonna work first. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. My mother-in-law wasn't a huge fan of me at the time. Like uh-huh. three days before we got married, she told him, "Like you know, you don't have to do this." She's probably freaking out because it's 19 days after you get engaged. Everybody's well, yeah, like, and then you've the got hell? this you've got this girl who's been blowing your son off for, you know, God knows how many times, who doesn't seem like she's that committed to him. And then all of a sudden it's like, bam, let's do this. I completely understand why she was like, uh, you might want to slow down. Yeah. As a mom, like, now I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I mean, time. we get, yeah, at the time I was just like, can you just, can you just trust us? I know, she's like, I've lived a lot of life, like, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, let's see, I end up, let's see, another big thing is his sister, he's, we're both the oldest, and... Uh-huh supposed to have first grandchild kind of thing but my younger brother had gotten married right out of high school and had two kids and sort of robbed (laughs) robbed that from me yeah and so because his sister got two months married two months later i was like we have to have the first grandchild like it sounds so shitty i can't believe that i'm announcing this publicly because i don't say this to anyone (laughs) but i just was like if she has the first grandchild they will have this like her and her daughter will have this special connection and I'll just be the mother of the other, of the other grandkids. And I always hear, <laughs> I just always hear people talk about how special that first grandchild is. It is true. And I was like, we have, like, we have to. So after, I mean, after two months of being married, I was like, let, I got off. I had my IUD taken out that I had only had in for two months. Wow. Which is supposed to last like five years. Yeah, and I never was, like, even after getting pregnant, I never took birth control. Like, I, and all those years of me fooling around, I still was not on birth control, because that's, like, asking to have sex, right? And you're like, I'm not going to. Yes. Uh So, yeah, I got it out, and then just took the pill for two months, so that I I could just, like, because my husband was not on board with this. He did not want to have a child right then. This this was, like, this was part of that, like, fresh... It's so weird. Like the pressure and the culture yeah. that's created is, is like, yeah. it's bizarro world. It is. And then you also have the pressure of like, not, not really letting it sink in for me until after I got married that like, I have to have my kids soon because 
there's like fertility issues after age 30. I mean, not for everybody, but that's sort of like the age where it's, and so I was like, I, I was 26 and a half when I had our oldest and I was like, I don't have a lot of years until then. I was like, I don't want to deal with complications. So we had our three of our boys within two and a half years. Like we. Two and a half years. You had three boys. Yes. You just Eight, 18 months apart and 12 out. months apart. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Which is also what happens a lot of times in this. In, yeah, in like, this culture. In the Mormon church. Yeah. 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 Then, you, just, you have them quick. You have them because they say, you know, don't wait till you finish college. Don't wait till you get a house. Like, just just, yeah. just do it. Sure. He was, he, he hadn't finished college. He had only had, like, an associate. And now he's supposed to figure out how to provide for a family. So stressful. It's so stressful, oh, it is. like, for the girl and the guy. Because I remember just being, like, I had so much anxiety. Ever since I went through the temple, like, I feel like my anxiety went through the roof. I went on my mission. It got even more. Then I got home. And, like, yeah. I felt like all these weird pressures always like yeah. more pressure, more pressure, more like all this stuff was like being put on my back that I didn't even want. And I was like, why am I carrying this? Like, who is this for? It's not for me. Yeah. It's a horrible yeah. feeling. Yeah. So we have, and we moved let's see, we moved one block down the street from my in-laws when like two weeks before our oldest was born. Uh-huh. And so we lived there in Nephi for like over three, just over three years, I think. So like uh-huh. all of our kids were born and we had that help from my in-laws, which was really nice because that really helped mine and her relationship. Yeah. And, and just real, I mean, like, it's true. Like the, for that first child, like she just adore, I mean, our oldest is, was her favorite. Like she just, which then was a little frustrating for my next two kids because I would be like, well, like I love them all the same. Could you, could you love, could you love them the same? But, it really is. It is kind of a thing though. There's just like yeah. that special bond. Yeah. For sure. it, it's sweet. So a month before we had our second one, she was diagnosed with metastatic breast, metastatic breast cancer. Uh-huh. Um, she had had it when he was in high school and it was in uh, remission. And so, yeah, like I was there at the house when she came in, my husband wasn't there. I was just there talking to my father-in-law hanging out and she walked in and I could, and like, we knew something was wrong. And she tells us, she's like, I just got a phone call and my cancer's back. And it's wow. like, shit. <sighs> like, and at the time, I was just thinking, like, well, you beat it once, you can beat it again. Right? Like, not knowing yeah. very, I mean, I didn't, I hadn't known anybody who had really had cancer. So I didn't really know what it was like. I didn't know what we were about to go through. I was very naive. Yeah. Very yeah, me, naive. Me, me having gone through it, like, if I had that happen again, and they're like, well, it looks like you guys got to go through this again, I'd be like, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. And I could tell that's how his whole family had saw it, but I had not seen it like this. Yeah. So it, it, it was about a year and a half that it really hit me because she ended up having to have like a pleural synthesis, which is like a surgery to sew this, like her lung to like her chest wall. So the fluid would stop building up. Yeah. 
And that's when I realized how serious that it probably was. I called every open operating temple in the United States and put her name on the prayer roll. (laughs) You were like the most devout little Mormon. Oh yeah. And the most devout daughter-in-law, like I committed, like when I knew that they thought they were like, I don't know if Alessandra is going to stick around with Jordan. Everybody would have guessed that I would leave him. Right. And so I was like, I will show you, like, I'm like that. I will prove you wrong. I will prove you what an amazing wife and mother and daughter-in-law I can be. And so I just was that, I was like, we'll move down the street from you. So you can see your grandkids whenever you want. I never said no to whatever, if they wanted to take my kids anywhere. I was right. I was just right there. Like after yeah like I did I mean I just like did every like anytime I do something with the kids I would invite them like they were very involved and that really helped our relationship I but she also was really good about boundaries I mean she's not the mother-in-law that would tell me I'm doing something wrong or belittle me like she's a wonderful mother-in-law so you thought so you like you really thought like the temple prayers and stuff were like gonna work very very powerful yeah I thought that too. I used to go to the temple and like, I'd write, cause you get those sheets and you'd write all the names mm-hmm. and like, I would be like, seriously, like stressed. Like who did I forget? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. just go home and say a prayer for them after I left the temple and like God would look at me and be like, should have put it on the temple roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you, you know, you just think you're like, this is, this is going to work. Like there's going to be a miracle. Like this yeah. is, like, I have the faith and she has the faith. Like, a cure. Like, it was like, I just know it. Like, I just know that the new medicine that saves her life is going to come out. Yeah. In, like, just in time. Yeah. So what happened with her? Um. So we, well, first, so before we get to that part, my husband left the church. Oh, okay. So we um, left. After our youngest was born, and that was devastating so that was how many years into your marriage we were four years in so this is four years ago now and he's like peace oh yes this was on father's day and on our son's third birthday okay is when i find out and i i was going through his phone because i needed to find a text i sent him because i was worried about my period he had gotten his vasectomy and i was like yeah. it better have worked but i didn't know what my last period was so i'm trying to text his phone or find his phone to see when <laughs> i sent it because i deleted it he had deleted it. Anyway, I see these messages with his friends and he's just like saying a lot of like just all the swearing and he doesn't swear and disrespecting of the church. And I was just like, are you kidding? So I, so I asked him about it and he's like, like I knew something had been going on because let's see our middle one. It was no. So November, 2015 is when she was diagnosed. And when the, the the uh, thing from the church, the policy about the gay kids not or parents kids of gay kids not being able to be blessed yeah. and baptized and such all came out. It's the month that he first read the CES letter. Okay. And so for like a year and a half, I felt like we were not close, like we were coming apart, and I felt like I was falling out of love. And so then when he said that, I was like, that explains so much because I have not felt close to you since we had ours. This brings up a lot of. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so it's like, I'm over there feeling guilty. Like I'm falling out of love with my husband. And I don't want to do it. And I would ask him, I was like, why don't we read scriptures? Like, why don't you say anything? Like, why don't you initiate us praying? Like when we read a scripture and I'm like, okay, what did you get from that? And he's like, I don't know. And it just is like, this isn't the man I married. Yeah. That's the worst. Like I can relate so much to your husband, like just feeling like so alone in this world where like you, he doesn't even know how to approach you. I don't know how to approach my ex. And I'm just like, honestly, he was like, she's going to divorce me. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. It's horrible. Oh, it was was just horrible. Cause he tells me and I'm like, Man, I think at that point, I probably had never yelled at him in four years. We had probably never had yelling. Like, we communicate well. And I was just, like, livid. Like, I'm yelling. I'm swearing. I'm pissed. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be with you. I'm, like, talking to his parents about it. But, of course, his parents are like, you got to stay together. And I'm like, easy for you to say your eternal salvation's not on the line. Mine is. I can't believe how you are so bought in. Like, so bought in. Oh, so bought in. My, like, my parents, my parents even kind of hinted at, like, kind of like it would be okay if you didn't want to be with him since he's not in the church. Well, my, my ex's parents, like, everybody had a really hard time. Like I, it was honestly like Tyler, like I would, I wouldn't stay with him if he was drinking, yeah. like he's drinking alcohol, he's drinks. Like, yeah. How are you going to stay with somebody that drinks? And it's like, yeah. Uh, because he's still got a really good heart. He's a great person. Yeah. But when you're so bought in, that's like everything. Yeah. And I remember so... that, first, that first cup of coffee when like my ex that first cup of coffee, because we were at a hotel, and I started brewing coffee, and she's like, are you really going to drink that? And I was like, uh-huh. She was like, I can't. She basically was, like, in shock. And I was yeah. like, I cannot believe that I'm part of this. Like, how did I let myself get sucked so far into a world that I'm drinking a cup of coffee and I'm being judged so Yes, so like, harshly by it. And by my kids also. My kids are looking at me like, oh, yeah. Dad, you son of a bitch. And I'm like, fuck oh. you guys. <laughs> You little judgmental assholes. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I just like, especially from his family, because his family is like the very by the book, follow rules, all that kind of family. And so I'm sitting there like, how are you guys not more upset by this? Yeah. And we had been in like, his, so I didn't know at the time that Jordan, my husband's Jordan, um, his dad had read all of this history stuff when he was okay. a kid, when he already uh-huh. knew everything that we didn't know. So he was never really in it yeah. anyway. Okay. So he was like my husband and I was like my mother-in-law. And I was like, I, I'm like, I don't as people but don't want their marriage. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be going being super faithful with my husband who's doing whatever on the side that everybody else doesn't know about. Especially if you're bought into the concept of like eternal marriage where you need to keep your covenants. Cause then what's the point? Like you're going to put in all this work to be married to somebody that's going to live up to their covenants and then you're going to lose them. Exactly. I was like, I, it doesn't matter how amazing I live this life. My salvation is tied to him. So if yeah. he doesn't make it, I don't make it, or I have to leave him. And I was like, that's oh. so shitty. That's pretty shitty. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, 
It's the worst. It's the most And I just, just try on, I mean, it like ruined, like someone had paid, because my mother like got cancer, someone who knew her well paid for all Disneyland. And they paid for everything. And like, <coughs> I couldn't even have a good time. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, they're up, I mean, they're reasonably upset with me for ruining that trip. But I also was just like, my world's falling apart. Like, yeah. my husband told me just a couple months ago that he left the church and I'm, well. It's so, it's so hard, though. Because, like, you're describing this right now, and I guarantee there's all these listeners, like, how do people get, get this, it. how do they get so sucked into something, like, you seriously can't see through it and it's like no like you grow up in it and it's everything to you and it's like you go through these temples and you make these covenant like covenants are promises and then you wear like you're wearing articles of clothing to remind you of these covenants and like yeah your everything is this church yeah you're like taught like our marriage is the triangle, right? It's me, my husband, and God. And the closer that we get to God, the closer we get to each other. And it's yeah. like, well, I've been trying to go up and you're going down. So you're moving yeah. further away from God. I'm moving closer to God. So you and I are moving further away from each other. Yeah. And now I just, the further we moved away, the closer we got. <laughs> it's like a circle. It goes around yeah. and around. <laughs> It's not again. like a triangle, not like a square. It's a circle. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah. So he leaves. That's hard. We try, you know. And of course, we're in like finance. Like finances is a stress because he's trying to make ends meet with three kids and me not yeah. working because I'm home with them, and it's all is just awful. So we have to, yeah. So we have to move out of Nephi because I'm like I can't do this. So we <laughs> Nephi. Yes, we were on Nephi. We moved to Payson. Payson was great. The year we lived in like a two bedroom basement. You lived in Payson. Yeah, right by did the you, temple. Did right. You know, did you know uh, the date? What I guess it'd be Tony Davis. Dave the Davis. He's probably your age. Tony. Like, Tony and Nikki. Like no. The, Let's think. Were they in the... Dosdall. Like, did you know Dosdall? Any Dosdall? Craig? No. Hanson? The Hansons? Which Hansons? Craig Hanson, Caitlin, Nikki, Courtney. Are they related to Elisa and Bill Hanson? No, never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Payson now. All right, so in Payson in a two-bedroom basement apartment. It's teeny. But we were like, we're going to save money. We're going to. But that's funny. Like, he got a new job that finally made enough to support us. Like, all these things fell into place when he left the church. Like, I got two jobs instantly doing my interning. Yeah. um, Because I finally interned as a therapist then. And it was just like, he leaves the church and he's honest with me about it. And our life gets better. Like, what is this? So you're confused. Yes, I'm confused. I'm like, we don't have to pay tithing because my bishop was like, well, you he makes the, he's made the money and he doesn't yeah. believe. So I, since I didn't bring an income, I didn't have to pay tithing. And I was like, oh, are you serious? Like, oh. we, like yeah. we get our 10% raise. We don't have to pay it. And yeah. I still am temple worthy. Like, why didn't I know that sooner? No, <laughs> my, my ex was the exact same. Like I didn't want to pay and I made the yeah. money. And so she yeah. could still be temple worthy. 
And so I was like, this is amazing. Like we get more money. You can still go to the temple and whatever you want to do. And like, Mm -hmm. I can live my life. But then there's this, like, there's always this barrier. There's just this barrier where it's like, if you don't, if you don't want the same things and your beliefs don't line up, the Mormon beliefs, it really is a hard religion to be one person in one person out. It really is because you're trying to work towards eternal salvation and it's just kind of pointless. Like we were just saying to be in, if your spouse is out, it just doesn't even really make any sense. Right. And I, I didn't care if anybody else was in or out. Like I have plenty of friends who are not LDS or not active LDS or, you know, my dad had been excommunicated. My siblings weren't really in it. I was like, I don't care if anyone else is Mormon, but my yeah. husband, but my husband has to be. I know that's. I didn't my, care if my kids like that's on my ex Yes, it was <laughs> like you are the only person who I care makes it there because I don't go there if you and don't you, go there. And you, husband, you promised me. We went to the temple, and you yes, promised you me made covenants. And then the husband's thinking, like, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. He's over here like, those covenants are bullshit. They're not real. Sorry, everybody who's a member. But, you know, and he's yeah. like, those are made up. They mean nothing. And I'm sitting there like, well, if you're going to break that covenant, like, what else are you going to break? Like, yeah. are you, I, I remember saying, like, oh, are you going to go get that tattoo you, that you've always wanted now? How, how <laughs> like, dare so he? so evil. How dare he do that? I know. Isn't it it's so bad? How dare he do that? <laughs> oh so yeah so so this is like so four years in so he leaves and you're like world's upside down yes and i did not want him to go to church with us like i was like i will be a strong mormon woman i am taking my three kids to church by myself everyone will see how faithful i am that i am gonna go (laughs) without help everyone will see that i have three kids in nursery (laughs) and i'm going to church Every what week. do you think though? Like, what was like, what did, what would you get out of that? Like, why, what was I was your... like, the Lord will see how faithful I am and he will turn my husband's heart. So he comes back. The more righteous I am, God will see that. And he will bless me with my husband's, with his heart and his mind being changed. That's, that's probably a pretty common thought I would imagine. Yeah. 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 Like the more, and like, did you have visiting teachers and you had people like, I, if you just, if, Alessandra, if you just keep doing this, I feel like it's like your your faith and your faith is going to bring him back. And it's going to, you probably have people saying that to you, I would imagine. You know, they really, I don't think they really had, because when we had moved, they, nobody really knew him. Yeah. Because we moved right, like pretty, like a couple months after he left. Okay. And so ever had a home teacher come over was after we told the bishop that he was leaving. And that's the first time and only time we had someone home teach us. Oh. <clears throat> but I remember talking <clears throat> to the bishop who actually had gone in to renew my recommend and wasn't even going to tell him about my husband leaving. And then it all just came out. And I remember mentioning how my husband had gotten a vasectomy. And this was yeah. one of my, sh- this is one of my shelf items. Yeah. This is when you're, he was like, you, you got, Yeah. He's like, you got a vasectomy. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, usually we don't advise you to do that. And we were like, what? Who said this? The bishop. He's like, yeah, like, like this. Yes. Like he's implying, he's implying that the decision to have kids, more kids or not, was between us and him. (laughs) 
Oh, how garbage. And I was like, that wasn't, I didn't grow up with that in Michigan. Like, you don't go talk to your, I mean, like, I was like, this is between me and my husband and God, I thought. Like, that's the triangle, I thought. And on the way to my last ultrasound, I had this feeling that was like, no matter the gender, your family's complete. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and I knew, I knew in that moment it would be a boy because if it was a girl, I knew I was done because I was like, I just want to have a girl and then we'll be done. But I was like, yeah. God needed to let me know that, like, it's, <laughs> like it was like he he. I would not have had that feeling if if it was a girl. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, so to me, I'm just sitting there like I already received my own personal revelation on this matter. Like, what do you? What did you need to say about it? And I was like, well, why? Why? Why would you need to say anything? And he was like, well, usually it just is like if you guys were to get divorced and he would have kids with his next wife. And I'm sitting there like, but we're not. Oh my gosh. Like I'm so not I do not plan my life with like if we got divorced then. It's a mind manipulation. No. It's like it's so great. Like I just feel like they try to just they they try everything they can possibly do to control the way you live and yes. how how you think and how you like and it's all like this big and I and I don't like to be offensive either. Like I don't it's hard not to be offensive because I do feel like it's wrong how they do a lot of things yeah but i do feel like they have this business set up to where they figured out the best ways for retention it's like insurance like here's how you retain mm-hmm. people and then you start to pay attention and they're like all right everybody so from the ages of 18 to 19 we're losing this percentage so yeah go in the temple and the god is going to tell us that we need to send them at 18 and it's like is that what it is, or is your fucking statistics telling you that? Yeah, yeah. Right? Right, right. Yeah, anyway. And so, so, hold on, there's a couple more, I, since I took a bunch of notes, there's like a couple more things I wanted to cover before I move on to like the losing the faith. Yeah. Or I guess like me leaving. Okay. I had, I had bad postpartum anxiety with our oldest. Like okay. I, he didn't take a nap anywhere but on us for his first two months um and when people like i couldn't sleep when everyone would say sleep when the baby sleeps i was panicked like i had to watch him breathe because i was like if he stops breathing and i'm asleep and i didn't know postpartum anxiety was a thing yeah until a lot later but now i think it's even slight ptsd for me because of the adoption because in my mind it was like I cannot lose another child yeah. like this this will kill me like the, like I had already contemplated ways that I would kill myself if, oh. he sto- if he stopped breathing I was like I can't lose I can't lose another I can't lose another child like so I wanna, so your mind your mind like your mind at that time was just in a very fragile place yes yeah and yours i mean so many hormones being pregnant right like i mean i'm pregnant nursing or have a little kid for a lot of years like you're yeah. straight because you know you just keep having babies and you know they don't say not to use birth control but it's definitely a preference that you don't and yeah. you just have them when god will allow them so i was like well if god thinks the baby's supposed to be born then he'll be born you know like <laughs> then we won't use any protection they'll just come when he wants them to come like there's people who don't have kids for years because they try and it's not the right time pull out method yeah 
Did you Let's pull out? Uh, I think I forgot. Well, you're pregnant. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm very fertile, so yes, I get pregnant like that. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but it's like I just had the worst. Like, I never contemplated how I would kill someone until I had my son because I was like, if anybody tried to take them, like, I will strangle you with my bare hands. Yeah. Like, I. And so part of. Part of what bothered me was that in the pa- in the proclamation to the family, it said, you know, the three P's for the husband was to preside, provide, and protect. And it talked about women being the nurturers. And I kind of looked at protect and was like, are they serious? Like, they do they really think that my husband would protect my kids better than me? Because... <laughs> like yeah. there's mama bear is a thing <laughs> right yes, like as soon is. as your child's born it is like kicked in and it's like my only thing is to keep you alive yeah and safe like i i will like if something happened i would tell my husband to take the kids and go and i kill the person like yeah. i like i'm the one who was like you will regret this yeah and so and my husband's also very nurturing with our kids. And so I was like, this is weird. Like, he could be great if he was the stay-at-home parent and I worked full-time. So I was like, this doesn't really work yeah. for everybody. So it was. So you started to get, like, mixed feelings about, the like, the gender roles almost within the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And um, let's see. So you were talking about the three Ps, the PPP, the protect... And the mama bear. Yeah, protect, provide, preside. So was was that something where, like, your shelf also, like, another weight that started to push the shelf yeah. off the wall? Yeah, because I was like, that just doesn't seem accurate. Like, that just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually it started to just be like, well, I'll go to the loss in that last of christianity you, later I'll, I'll i'll come back to that part. at this point had you read like had you read this no nope. no point? but i knew that i had i knew that i had wanted to because i was like yeah. my husband my husband's read it my kids will hear things i don't want yeah. my kids to hear something from him or somebody else and come to me and i'd be like i have no idea and so i wanted to be able to have answers if they came to me with whatever was yes. concerning in it so I knew eventually I wanted to but I wanted to be in like the best place spiritually to read it so that you know I had all the whole armor of God to like fight against the evil for Satan <laughs> right yeah you, you were trying to control so you tried to control so strongly like mm-hmm. the outcome of your life yes. so just like all of us Mormons do it's yeah. like if I'm gonna read something anti I'm gonna go in knowing that I'm not going to believe it because there's no way it can be mm-hmm. true because I know the church is true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something that they teach you too, is like, if there's anything that's against the church, it's called anti-Mormon literature. And by yeah. reading it, it's almost like sinful and yeah. you shouldn't do that because all you're doing is affecting your life. Your kids it's, lives. it's the frog in the pot of water. You can't put a frog in a hot boiling pot of water. You have to put the frog in the cold water and slowly turn it up until it boils to death. So it's like, you don't even want to go there. You don't even want to start with something small because that's, you're just in the pot of cold water and it's just heating up. So you just avoid all temptation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's see. He's gone. 
And I'm hearing all these stories from people, right? Now that I'm an intern at that point doing therapy and I'm realizing so many patterns. I'm realizing how the church is hurting people and hiring people. I'm realizing that like their depression stems from not feeling good enough because they don't do all these things the church tells them. That they are yeah. so anxious. They you don't have their own answers. They, um, about social, no, I'm not fully licensed yet because I have to pass my test first. <laughs> and I failed. I, I failed it a few times. Yeah, it's like okay. it's a it's an associate license. So you just have a supervisor. Okay. So but you're doing this. <clears throat> so you're meeting with people and seeing like, are you seeing mm -hmm. the damage that it's causing firsthand and you're recognizing it? Yeah. Yes. This is the first time I've, cause I mean, to, for the most part, the church had been a good thing in my life. Yeah. Both of my, both of my parents came from traumatic backgrounds and dysfunctional homes and the church gave them the structure they never had, which caused, you know, structure in our life and kids, you know, people do good with structure Yeah. and it gave them like what to do because they just had long lists of what not to do. And so to this point, the church had, it had worked well. Like there's so many people I admired and loved from the church. And so now I'm starting to see how it's hurting people. And this is new yeah. for me. And it's realizing hard. how it's many hard people to are. See. Hard to see, huh? It is. It is. Especially because I was like, I thought Utah was supposed to be happy. We all have the gospel. Why is Utah one of the most depressing states? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, on a hike. I was on a hike this morning with this guy doing the incline. Yeah. And we were talking about like depression and anxiety and especially within the Mormon church. And yeah. like I did that podcast called anxiety and like yeah. just from me breaking out of like this paradigm that like this box I was pushed into yeah. and realizing like I can actually take control of my life and do all this stuff that I never thought I could do. Like the depression and anxiety is like, it's like lifted off of me. And I feel like, by living an unauthentic life, it puts this, yeah. it's depression. It's depression and anxiety. That's what it, it is. is. Like yeah. living somebody else's life creates depression and anxiety. Yeah. And you have to, yeah. Cause you're suppressing so much of who you are and you're thinking yeah. you're bad for your thoughts. So when you have thoughts of doing things that would be against the church, you think you're this bad person. Yep. And I'm seeing how like the church has like ruined these people's sex lives. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing how we're going to call anybody who looks at porn a porn addict and it's like that's not true. When I ask them how often they look at it and they're like, "Well, once every 3 months I slip up." It's like, "You are not an addict." Oh, no. And there's nothing wrong with there's not necessarily anything wrong that you looked at it. Like you're Wait. It's paint. All this stuff is painted like it's the like it's the worst thing ever. And like that, that's the thing. Like some of the stuff is like a slippery slope. Like I could see if like you're if you actually have an addiction to something that's unhealthy, then it's mm -hmm. a problem. Right. But if you actually have like a healthy relationship with something and just like the church teaches, like all things in moderation, it's like that with the things that they say not to do. Like marijuana is something yeah. where it's like don't you can't do it and right. eventually i think it's going to be i would say even in the church they're probably going to come around on a few of these things mm -hmm. I think so. never. yeah but yeah they, they're pretty strict in their ways for a long time 
Yeah. So, yeah, I'm seeing how it's hurting, how the beliefs are hurting people. And and then just, like, little stories of, I mean, I remember, like, a couple from, like, one of the polygamous communities, and he talked about drinking coffee. And I was like, wait a second, don't we have the same word of wisdom? And he was like, yeah, but, like, it was given as, like, a health code, not a commandment. <laughs> I mean, I thought about it, and I was like, he's right. Yeah. Like, it is a help. Like, we don't need to be so strict on this. I mean, I still didn't go out and drink coffee, but I was a little more lax about if anybody else did. Yeah. It was a control thing. Yeah. It was just, like, people decided, let's change all of this to be a control thing, and let's control these people. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to control every aspect of it, like, all of it, everything. And it was just concerning to me when people felt like, they couldn't make their own decisions because they needed to know if it was the right decision. And I was like, you get to decide. Yeah. Like you have agency. Why are you talking to your Bishop about this? Why are you praying about, why are you, and just seeing how much people second guess themselves because they don't want to be wrong. Like it has to be the right decision and it's so black and white and it's like, but life isn't black and white. Yeah. Oh, and then just, like, the cognitive dissonance, again, it was, like, your divorce rate goes down if you wait till you're at least 25 to get married. That would make sense. <laughs> right? Wait. Yeah, just, so I'm, like, so why are we being pushed to get married as soon as possible? That's, and that, that, but when you have a control, a control religion or a culture where it's, like, the sooner we get you and, like, it just seems because think about our parents and before them. There's no internet. There's no CES letter. Like if right. you didn't have the technology that we have right now, like you and I to be able to do this podcast is freaking yeah. amazing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I can call you up. I met you on Facebook. Like Facebook didn't <laughs> exist, and so we relate and like we find each other and we can relate and like overcome these things. But think yeah. about like our parents and like their parents and stuff. If they had doubts or. Let's just say, like, what if somebody felt gay and they just kept that inside their whole life and they yeah. died? How sad. How depressing. That is so sad. Yeah. They would think there was something wrong with them their whole life. Yeah. And they probably died feeling like, thank God I'm dead. Yeah. Sad, right? Yeah. I always love this phrase that was like, everyone's a genius, a genius, but if you judged a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it would live its whole life believing it yeah. was, what was the word? Believing it was, I don't, I don't remember right now. <laughs> you know, what, you know, where it's like fish, they're amazing, right? They swim, they're good to swim, they can't climb a tree, you know? And so it's like, we're all, we're all like, depend. I don't know, we're, you know, just kind of determining our value on like what the church says we should do instead of like where our strengths really are and where our heart and authenticity really lies. So you like, so your stuff, like, so it really started to fall apart. It sounds like, so you started to see. It's really falling apart about as it's quickly speeding up, like as my husband had left. Yeah. So I'm not sure that this would have happened if he didn't leave. Yeah. That's the same thing. Like I feel like <laughs> I, my ex, like she, there's no way I don't think she would have left if I didn't leave. And now yeah. it's a huge blessing that she's out and like, it's been this, but like, yes, it's so hard to be the person that initiates it because there's so much yeah. like judgment. There's so, so much, much on like, the line. How did you do this to our perfect little family type? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Like I had way less to lose than my husband did. Yeah. 
And so, you know, and then just learning like people with addictions. I like we're taught like, oh, drinking alcohol and doing all these things are so bad. And then I'm sitting here learning like, but people do this to cope with the really hard lives they've had. And then we're judging them when they just need to be loved and understood and heard. They need to be accepted. And we're doing the worst thing you could possibly do to an addict is judging them and telling them they're evil and that they need to repent when they're hurting and we just need to have compassion. See couples. I have so many couples that I know. You probably talked about like do this for a living, but (laughs) just, just me like having this podcast or just talking to friends and so hard for me to see people that are like almost to lose their marriage over something like pornography or like something just like there's like this one there's one thing that like this church has built this stigma around something to where and the hardest part is the support system and so if all you do is talk to this echo chamber of mormons Mm -hmm. and like you're gonna go ask people we already know their answers so like you don't get any outside perspective so you go to this person you know their answer is going to be I wouldn't stay with somebody that drank or watched pornography. That's what I thought. Let me go ask this person. It's the same answer, the same answer, the same answer. Then you come back to your husband or your wife, and you're like, I talked to so-and-so, 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 so and they all agree with me. And you're mm-hmm. like, but would you ever go talk to so-and-so who's not part of this? Well, right. no. It's like, well, then, like, this isn't a fair conversation to be having. Yeah. Yep. It's so frustrating thinking about all this, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I I like hurt for people who who divorce because of a faith crisis or something like that. Because it, I know, because the person still in the church assumes that they're the one who is right, and so it's like, okay, let's say your spouse looks at porn, you're like, we'll give up porn if we want to be together. But it's like that person's not asking you to give up your belief that porn is wrong for you to be together. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you want to make it work, then stop caring. I mean, this is, this is a, maybe this is a bad example, but maybe it's <laughs> a point. But I remember taking a self-defense class and the officer teaching it was like, well, the only sure way to not get raped is to consent. <laughs> right. And it was like, it's like kind of oh, funny, but also inconsiderate true. to anyone who has been in there, but it just is yeah. sort of like, well, I mean, if you don't, you know, if you don't want that to be a problem in your marriage, then just decide it's not wrong. Oh, and and so then you don't have the problem, right? Like, just be like, all right, porn's not bad anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but they're just not asked to change their beliefs on that. It's just like a scent. I mean, when my husband left the church, I was hoping it was porn because that would be a clear wrong, right? Yeah. Like, when he left the church, fix. we couldn't be. Yes, that's what you I thought. I was like, we it. can fix porn. We can't fix you leaving. Yeah. That sucks. Like, and then imagine too, because I have these friends too, where there's something that's like this barrier in between them and their relationship. And it's usually something where it's like in five years from now, I think it's not going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. And if they could get on the same page right now, like, and you know how it's mm-hmm. like, you always want the forbidden fruit. So if you tell me yeah. don't smoke weed, I'm like, I'm going to go buy a pound of weed <laughs> and smoke uh-huh. it until I'm dead. But yeah. like, if you tell me like, <laughs> Hey, like, Tell me your thoughts about marijuana. Tell me, like, what, like, why do you want yeah. to do it? Do you have articles, mm-hmm. this and that? And you have, like, a productive conversation. And then, like, I get permission to, to do it because we've discussed it. Then I'm probably going to do it a lot less and maybe not right. at all. Right. But 
that's the thing. It's like, like you said, it's black, white, black, white, black, white. And it just becomes this like, yeah. it's such a problem. Right. And I was like, and I realized, I was like, you guys are creating porn use in the church. Yeah. If you just stop telling people to stop looking at it and stop shaming people, the use would go down. It's, it's so true. Cause like for me since, so I got divorced like a year ago. Yeah. So for me, it's more like I pay attention. This is how I live my whole life. I pay attention to how I feel. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. how do I feel? If I do something, how do I feel afterwards? Yeah. So it's like, if I have a one night stand with a girl and like we sleep together and like, that's it. And mm-hmm. then like we go our separate way. How do I feel about that? And I'm like, yeah. oh, I like it. I didn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't yeah. the connection I wanted, you know? Yeah. Or it's like yeah. pornography. Like if I look at pornography, how does, do I feel different? And so if you could teach these concepts in a way where it's like, pay attention to like what this is doing to you and your overall well being and your happiness. Like, yeah. what if you got taught that way from a kid? Like, pay attention to how this makes you feel. So mm-hmm. then your kid comes to you, feels comfortable, and says, hey, Dad, I looked at pornography. And I'd say this, oh, okay, that happens with almost everybody. How did right. you feel afterwards? And they'd be like, I felt kind of like this is how I felt. Well, pay yeah. attention to that. And, like, maybe don't look at it for a week and see how you feel and just compare the two. Right. And that, that was so like, awesome. That's, <laughs> like, the biggest difference. Like, and if somebody who looks at it a lot and all that is, like, the parent's reaction when they find out. Like, the more you shame them, the more they're going to do it. And so I'm sitting here like, why is the church teaching based on fear and shame? Like, this is the wrong way to teach someone healthy boundaries. Yeah. And so I'm I'm sitting here like, the church is so wrong in so many aspects now that they're, like, losing credibility to me. Because I'm like, you are not entirely inspired by God here. Like, this isn't... This isn't adding up. And once it start, once your shelf falls, it falls starts. Pretty, it starts. It, it happens yeah. hard and fast, though. Yeah. And I remember at one point, like talking to my father-in-law about certain things, and he was just like, "Well, you're not really Mormon, then. You're you're a Christian, but you're not Mormon because there were so many Mormon beliefs that I really didn't believe." Yeah. And I already knew you could believe in God and Jesus and a life after this and not be Mormon because so many religions. Yeah. Right, family who's Baptist, friends who are Catholic. You didn't believe you'd be. You thought Mormons were the saved ones. Well, I think the other ones could have been saved, but you know, thinking about it, it was like I want to go to the highest kingdom. Like they'll still go to a good place, but I'm trying to get to the celestial kingdom. So, but do you like? Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, you want to work and you want to get to the. You want the best reward. Obviously, it's like. If you're going to do something and like yeah. put the effort into it, like obviously you want to get the best reward you can possibly get. Yeah. And so to see other religions and know that they're like Christian and they believe in stuff, but salvation, living like with your family, living with Christ, like living in this like celestial paradise only comes yeah. to you by doing it the Mormon way. And our, yeah. that's, that's what we thought. Right. So we got to right. reshift an entire <clears throat> Like our whole paradigm of, I wrote this paper called Identity Christ. Did I ever send it to you? Yeah, Identity you did. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like so fucked it's in been my a while, head. Though. Yeah, I have no idea what what I was thinking when I left the church. I was like, so everything that I think now mm-hmm. is not right. <laughs> yeah, right. Like and, my whole life is upside down. Like it's, oh yeah, it's crazy. And yeah. not only that, everybody's looking at me like I'm evil now. 
Not only yeah. is am I going through the hardest time of my whole life, I have no support. This right. is amazing. Right. <laughs> I, I know I feel so bad for my husband for that. Like, there's just so many things. Oh, I'm like, I am so sorry that I oh, said yeah. that and did that. Like, that's, oh. But yeah, so I, so I eventually create or change my personal Instagram to one that was like marriage and family 101. Yeah. And I'm going to post all these things to help couples and help people, specifically the Mormon community, that I am like, I am seeing these things. They're not healthy for you. I'm trying to like validate people, help them feel understood. So I post like on Fridays, I'd have like my frisky Friday post. That's when I would post about sex. Yeah. People loved it. People love <laughs> it's fun. People would love to see like what kind of sex thing I would post. Yeah. I would like take a video and be like, I'm skipping Sunday school because I hate Sunday school. I can't <laughs> stand the old guy teacher with the old way of thinking and the old. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing it. I can't do yeah. it. Like, I was like, I. And so like all these people were just like, I just love how real you are and how vulnerable you are. People about love it all. It. Oh, they love it. I had like a Relief Society president message me and she's like, wait, we can masturbate? And I was like, there is nothing wrong with masturbating, girl. Like you do it. If your husband is good with it and you're good with it, do it. And somebody told me like, did you know that they used to say masturbation turns you gay? I didn't know that. I was like, are you serious? The church used to say that? That's the dumbest, like. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my whole life. Yeah. I was like, no, it. Oh, and then like learning more about LGBTQ, you know, cause like, you know, I was been taught like it was a choice and I was like, yeah. wait a second, if they tell you it's not a choice, you don't get to decide for them if it is or isn't. They yeah. told you they were born that way. That's who you believe. That's you so don't know is. them better than they know them. But they're trying to like make those people feel crazy. Like they don't know themselves. Like, yeah. did you look at pornography? Did you masturbate? Did you like, what, what was it that caused? like i was born this way and they're like there's no way we gotta we gotta get to the bond with this what did you do to have this happen yeah so it's like right getting educated right getting educated taking it all in realizing they're just losing credibility everywhere and i'm like taking on a lot of other people right because okay so eventually i get suicidal so i'm leading up to kind of how this how this happens because you have to be tricky when you're a therapist because you're working with people with problems. So self-care is important. I'm also taking care of three kids during the day and they take from you. And so it's like all day taking care of kids and then I do my sessions in the evening when my husband's home with yeah. them. And then I have my Instagram and I went from like 600 people who followed me to like 2,000 in less than a year right which is i mean you know maybe some people grow faster whatever but all of a sudden i have a lot of new people who are very excited about my page who send me their problems and are like can you help me so now i'm investing a lot of time and not getting paid yeah but i like to help people and i like to hear their stories but all i have in my life at this point is taking from me i don't have anything filling my cup yeah and I don't have time to fill my cup because I don't trust my kids with anybody besides my husband and my mother-in-law for the most part. Like I don't leave them because I know the effects on their brain. Like if I yeah. were a meth, if, if one thing happens, if I forget, I mean, most parents try to protect their kids and then they think they're safe and then they get sexually abused 
And they're like, I would have never did that if I, you know, I was like, we're not getting to that point where we'll never get there. You will only be with people I know you will be safe with because the effects on your brain at a young age to be sexually abused is, it's just horrible. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't like, like me, my husband or my mother-in-law are pretty much the only people who were allowed to have my kids alone, like alone, unless my mom had came down. See, but like, so yeah. there's no, I'm like always with the kids or working or helping someone. Right. Then you've got to do your visiting teaching. Yeah. Now it's what ministering <clears throat> ministering. Yes. He came ministering. You've got to go to church. You've got to, I was called to be in young women's. And that's time consuming. Yes. And I'm teaching the young women things that I'm like, I don't want to teach you this. Like we had a lesson on like what kind of like they had to make that list of what kind of person they want to marry. And I was like, this list is so stupid. I'm teaching 14 and 15 year olds to make a list. Right. So they make their list. We go through it. And everyone like luckily all the other leaders were amazing. They were talking about how their husbands had not been active when they got married and came back in. So they're giving these examples of like. You might not find somebody who you think is this, but they can be, you know, they might come back in. And I raised my hand. I'm like, you know what? You might find this exact return missionary you wanted. And then four years into your marriage, he leaves the church. Yeah. And I was glad we were able to have such a real conversation. But I could see the anxiety and depression from these young women, these girls who should are worrying about way more than they need to. I was like, I can't teach you. I can't teach this. Like, I can't, I want to help you. And I can't do it this way. Like I, I couldn't do it. I was like, I can't teach my boys. My boys can't go to church believing how terrible it is that they're going to have their hormones raging when they're teenagers and that looking at porn or masturbating is evil. When I'm like, masturbating is a coping mechanism. It's a gift. Well, they're also going to learn that like, Instead of going to you and talking about this, they're yeah. going to go to an, a guy in a room with the door closed. Talking and I wasn't, com- I was never going to let that happen. Like yeah. that wasn't ever going to, I was never going to let that happen. I was never going to let them go on uh, camping, uh, like the Cub Scout overnight camping trips, unless yeah. my husband went, because I was like, no, there's, I know I've heard too many stories of scout leaders who molest little boys. Like it just, it wasn't, yeah. it was not happening. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so. What do you like? Here's a question for you, okay? Yeah. From your, like, what you do. So, because we don't do sleepovers, like, we don't believe in nope. sleepovers because. Yeah. So, like, what do you like when you're? How do you come across like, in a polite way? I just feel like you. I always seem to come across offensive with the friends' parents. Like, well, what you don't trust us, and I'm like. Yes, do they uh, say that to you? Do they ask? They like, don't, do they, but they I don't would imagine that's what they're thinking, <laughs> right? If they're having a sleepover it, yeah. and this friend, this friend, this friend, this friend, they're all spending the night and my daughter can't spend the night. Like, how do I come across telling them in a way where it's like, like, we don't do that. It's not because I don't trust you, but blah, 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 blah. What, I would just be like, we just don't do sleepovers for anybody. Like, it's sort of like a rule. Like, it's not you personally, but like, if I say, I can't pick and choose. Like, like it's like, I don't want to say yes yeah. to you, but then no to you, yes to you. So it just has to be a solid rule. Like, we just do not do them. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what we do. I feel like it's, yeah. the sleepover thing is so complicated, though, because we used to have sleepovers when I was a kid, and it was my yeah. favorite thing ever. Mine, too, and nothing bad ever happened. Yeah, but then you do hear about But I've heard of plenty stories. where it has, and it's not, yeah, it's not worth the risk. I know. To me. It's like, 
it's so freaking annoying why is it gotta be so much like inappropriate stupid sexual stuff out there that ruins like the positive i'm like they can hang out late you just sleep at right like you can yeah like you can stay later you're not missing much all you're doing is sleeping like i'll take you back in the morning if you guys are gonna do something and that's the thing like if they're not sleeping they're usually doing something they're not supposed to do exactly yeah which is what i like and or if their friends are comfortable i mean i see i don't really know how i feel about other people sleeping at our house we're not to that point yet yeah i don't know my thing too though was like it wasn't just like the this is the thing i feel like they might miss out on (laughs) i loved going out and teeping causing (laughs) mischief like that type of thing where i feel like that just creates character but then there's this like the risk is like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know that it's really worth it because this could be like a lifelong damaging thing that could happen. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, we're going to have to, we're going to have to like get to, cause we're at 64 minutes and we already, oh my did God. Like, well, we already did an, like an hour, hour and six minutes and we already did another one that was like 20 <laughs> minutes. So we're like, we're, we're like we're so coming over. up on probably like three hours. Will you keep talking, Tyler? I'm just I don't kidding. Know that. All right. <laughs> just kidding. So let's. Uh, right. I want you to make sure you get through like everything you want to, but I also <laughs> want to make sure that it's not like a five-hour episode. Right. I know. Like I can't even listen to all the Mormon Story podcasts. I'm like, this was all long. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's speed this up, okay? Because I picked notes. So let's. All right, so we're getting to the leaving the church part. So let's see. So I come home the last Sunday, and my husband had told me that my son was like, Dad, are tattoos bad or something like that? And he was like, and then he was concerned for a friend of ours who had a bunch of tattoos because his primary teacher had told him that tattoos were bad. And I was like, no, we can't. We can't do this. We can't. And I, I told my, I remember I told my husband, like, if we don't move out of Utah, I think I'm going to go inactive. Like, I can't do church here. And, and so I just came home that last Sunday and I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I was like, there is just no way you can ever feel good enough in this church. And I'm a person who's aware that like you don't have to do all of it to be a good person and have value and all of that but a lot of other people aren't they think like i'm failing at this and this and this that the church is telling me to do how do you expect me to do all of these things while i'm working and i have three kids and all this like how do you and i was like why are they trying to keep us so busy and then i it like clicked when somebody has been through trauma and they don't want to think about it they keep very busy because they don't want to think about it. And I was like, they're trying to keep us busy because they don't want us to find something out. Yeah. And then I was like, what do they not want us to find out? And that's the million dollar question. Yes. And I got so anxious though. Like the thought of not being in the church was causing me such bad anxiety that Sunday. I was just like, how do I walk away from this? Like I, I'm like a, like if I'm committed to something, I'm in it. And if I'm not in it, I'm not like, I I can't be a half. Yeah. That's exactly like, I can't be half in. And so I, I was just like, that's not me. Like that's not authentic to myself to go every, to go every once in a while or something like I, and it's like, and I've created this Instagram page catered to members. And I'm trying to be an example. I'm trying to be an example unto the believers. Like I'm trying to really, you know, 
I want to inspire, uplift people and have them want to. You're doing everything you can do within the parameters that are set for you to be helpful, but like do it in your way. And then it's just, it, that's exactly what happened to me. It just keeps getting harder and harder. Yeah. And I was like, I can't like, this is, this is just a lot. And so I was like, okay, like, how am I going to not be in the church? And I'm just freaking out. And I get on Instagram and like what had popped up was like the lifestyle after Mormonism Facebook page. And I see all these wonderful people who used to be Mormon who are talking about their lives and how good it is and how yeah. good it feels to have left. And I have never seen anything like this. Before. I think because you, you, is that when you saw me? Is this, this is no, like, this no, is this is right. This is right. Yeah. This is way before. Okay. This is September, okay. 2019. Okay. <clears throat> and so I was just like, oh my God, it's possible like that you can raise good kids out of the church. I mean, I guess I knew it was possible because like for people who were never yeah. Mormon, they were, but you know, ex-Mormons are just viewed so negatively. Yeah. And so I was like, it's possible to be happier if I leave. And I was just like, but no way. And, and so I was just like, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to read the CES letter. Yeah. This is the time in my life to read it because it will either let me know what they're hiding so uh -huh. I can feel good about leaving or it will cause me to get defensive for the church and push me in the other direction to really want to be back in it. But I cannot be in the middle. I can't be. I can't be in the middle. Yeah. So I don't tell my husband and then he goes to work the next day and I read the CES letter that day. We're probably hoping that you would read this thing and be like, I can keep my faith. Yes. 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 I was hoping that it would throw me in the direction to be motivated to stay in it again, to be like, I am going to endure to the end. Yeah. Like I, I will I be, <clears throat> when it talks about the last days and it's, like, you know, only the few are going to stay. It was like, I will be that person. Like, yeah. Yep. I thought the same thing about myself. I was, and... I went to CS because I read the CS letter. So I had left the church and then the CS letter, like I read it because I, I had a friend that, so I had two friends that had left the church. And so we kind of talked. So one lady was somebody I worked with. Somebody else was like another guy I worked with. Yeah. And so he was Basically, me and this lady that was my office partner, yeah. we always talked about things, and then I kind of expressed it to somebody else, and then he was like, sounds like you're already out. You should read this letter. And I was like, oh, okay. And so me and her read it, and it was Sounds just, like you're already out. Read it. That's great. It's so crazy, though, like how much information is in that one letter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like because, that guy, it's and that's why it's effective because different things mean different things to people like my husband like would I mean he quickly gave up the trying to like fight with me about the church stuff because he realized it wasn't going anywhere yeah but the things he cared about and I finally did sit down and listen to him and understand and be like okay from your perspective I can see how that you don't think this is true that wasn't yeah. how I felt but I but that really helped our marriage when I could listen like a therapist and yeah. still listening listening like a member of the church <laughs> and so um yeah like a therapist <clears throat> or even like a spouse right like I sh like i should have <laughs> <laughs> but you can't listen like a spouse and you know when one of you's in, one of you's out right exactly. and so um so i read it and i you know i, I won't go into details about it i guess but you know there's just the, th the top things on my list that 
that mattered the most to me. And I was like, I cannot believe this. Yeah. I just, I mean, long short, I didn't know the multiple versions of the first vision. And I didn't know the translation of Abraham was like fake and not it. And I was like, if you didn't translate that correctly, you didn't translate the Book of Mormon correctly. Yeah. So, and then the rock thing was like, you made it up. The first vision you made up, especially the first vision, like, and here's what was concerning is I got on Instagram to voice my concerns because I was like, I knew at that point, it was like two days later. I knew at that point I was done with the church, yeah. but I also knew that members are kinder to you when you say you're struggling uh-huh. and you don't know what to do versus when you say I'm done. So even though I was done, I said, I'm struggling, struggling. because Which they would a, be it's kinder. It's worse and it's a worse spot because then you become like a project. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I received an insane amount of messages. I couldn't <laughs> read them all. And they're long. I mean, you're scrolling, 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 yeah. like so, so many messages, oh, especially when it's about the church and your audience is LDS. Like everyone wants to save yeah. you or have that compassion. Like I've been there, I've left, it gets better kind of thing. And so it was the response from so many people that, pushed me further like so many it, they were all staged it was like doubt your doubts read out your faith yeah that are you great. are you reading church approved sources <laughs> church approved sources the fact that they even say that is so annoying mm-hmm. and the like first vision one because that's the one i was very upset about i had heard about the stone thing and i had heard about joseph smith's polygamy and such i didn't hear about any i of that. never ever ever had heard there was more than one account of the first vision and when all these people had heard about it and were like yeah but you tell a different story based on your audience oh. I, and then when i find out he didn't write it down until he until after the church was established in my mind i'm like no i study psychology like, these people are telling me how the brain works when it's like, you realize that's my job, right? Like, that's, yeah. you don't have no, a degree it's... in this. You remember something like the last time you told it happened. So each time you tell the story, it gets a little further away from the truth. Exactly. exactly. So if you weren't sure about a detail and then you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was it. Then the next time you tell it, you're confident it was that. And it may not have been. And so it's like, the more he tells the story, the less accurate it gets. So I'm like, this is, this is BS that you guys are saying all of this. And no, it doesn't change like this. And no, no. like, no. And then I find out so many other people had had, had said they saw God and such at that time. And in my mind, I'm thinking he was 14, even if he did see something, um, there's both through things where they see were they like, I mean, I had a 14 year old client who did that. Like he would have these weird vision things of seeing somebody yeah. like trying to hurt him and stuff. And I was like, there's something that goes on in your brain at 14 that you can struggle with. And you need like a mild and like antipsychotic medication to make it go away till you grow up a little bit. It goes away on its yeah. own. But it's just as like, this is not, no. But Joseph Smith is also like a treasure seeking. I, yeah, like, I didn't know. All, I didn't know all that when I read very, it. you got a very questionable like history. And mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Like the the thing, the little things for me, like the little things were bigger to me than the big things though, because it was yeah. like, why, like, why lie about something so little as like a rock and a hat? Like right. I always tell my like friends and stuff. I'm like, if that's the way it happened, that's how you paint the picture. You don't like, you don't Hollywood it up and try to sell me on it. You yeah. tell me the truth. And then I accept it because it's the truth. Like right. if it happened this way, don't tell me it happened with this feather pen and like this gold plates were like, 
don't tell me a lie because then that one lie, just like a marriage, just like a relationship, it's going to start to deteriorate because if you're going to lie about something this small, what else are you going to lie about? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't like that he proposed women um, as like you, like marry me or an angel's going to kill us or kill me or something. <laughs> and I was like, where is her age? You know, being, I mean, feministic, not in a way of like bashing men, just feminist and in a way of like, we're equal. Yeah. And I was like, that's not okay. No. Like no one's going to come up to me and be like the Lord commanded me, you know, you have to marry me because the Lord said so. And if you don't, he's going to kill me. I'd be like, I guess you're dying. Like, I know. But like, imagine, like if you're, husband's gone you're yeah. just just sent your husband off on the <clears throat> and then so your husband clearly bought into this whole thing and then you're the prophet and now you come up to the girl and you're like just so you know your husband's doing very important work and now you have been called to be married to me and they're like wow like i get to marry the prophet this is cool like my husband's off serving and like it's they just fought they felt bought into this, like, this movement, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, but, yeah, it's like, the CS, we could go on forever about all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so I won't get into it, but that was yeah. changing for me. And when people would say church-approved sources, I thought, like, I mean, we're, like, we're talking probably junior high or whatever, learning about Hitler and the Holocaust and such. And it was talking about how they would, like, burn books. They were only allowed to read certain ones. I had already had in my mind that that's evil. When somebody's yeah. trying to limit, when someone tries to limit what you can read, they're controlling you. And so the more people kept saying church approved sources, I, I mean, it was just associated to that lesson in school of Hitler and yeah. reading books and such. And I was like, that's not okay. Yep. So, whew, we're almost to the suit part. Okay, because I took all these notes. So there's this one last thing I wanted to cover before the, that part happens. Which okay. is a week before I left, I had a conversation with the mom of my biological son, so his adoptive mom. Uh-huh. And she was talking, and we were just like, we're Facebook friends. So she's just explaining like how he found out he was adopted. And she said that he was thinking, he had thought earlier like that teen pregnancy happened as like the result of a rape. Uh huh. And that, like, he's thinking of himself as, like, a mistake. And she let him know he's a mistake. But it broke my heart that even for a moment, he was like, I may have been a mistake. Like, I understand why he felt that way, but I would never want him to feel that way. And so it just, like, broke my heart that he felt that way. And and around his birthday, I always send pictures to my ex so that he sees him. And so I'm, I was already in like a different mindset. Cause when you do therapy, we're trying to get you to use a different part of your brain than you normally use. Yeah. And I'm, and in this, after talking to my ex and then the mom, my brain was in a different place than it normally is that opened me up to being open-minded about leaving the church a week later. Okay. Cause I don't think if this would have happened, I don't know that my brain would have been in a place to be like, I think I've had enough kind of thing. Yeah. And um, my ex had told me that, like, my dad had told him, some, like, had approached him and was like, like, what makes you think you could be a dad? You couldn't even tell me that you were having sex with my daughter. And first, like, what boy just walks up and is like, hey, I'm having sex with your daughter, right? <laughs> but, like, he's a kid, right? Yeah. He's 17. It's like, what, and my dad, he looked up to my dad. He thought my dad's amazing. So a man you look up to basically is like, you're not good enough to be a dad, I mean, yeah. at 17, you believe it. 
And so I'm just, and then I just thought back, like we just, I mean, since this has been part of my healing with it, cause I was so upset with him. I was just like, it's your, fault. we had to place him for adoption. Like if you would have just stepped up and then like, I'm going to be a good dad, we didn't have to get married, but if you would have just stepped up and been like, I want us to be a family, we could have yeah. kept him. So I was so mad and resentful for so many years for 14 years. Yeah. And my narrative started to shift because he was like, I did want to be with you and I did want to keep him, but you're, you know, but he knew how much the church was saying adoption, yeah. hearing that he wasn't good enough to be a dad. I think back to all the, like, our relationship was so dysfunctional and he used to blame it on him. But I'm like, no, I never made him feel good enough because he was never that LDS priesthood holder who was going to go on a mission that I was told to marry. So in my mind, he wasn't good enough. So I didn't treat him like he was good enough. Yeah. I always compared him to the boy from church and, wa- and wanted him to be more like that. I would always feel like we'd have sex and do these things and I would feel guilty and like a bad person. And it was like, if it wasn't for it, like we could have, we, we may have been able to have a more functional relationship if we could have yeah. sex and just be like, this is what we do. If I could just go, sm- would have just went and smoked weed with him or had a drink with him or something like our relationship would have been so much more fun. Yeah. And it just yeah. is like the church ruined our relationship. Like we yeah. could have, and I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to say that's what I wanted or that would have been better or, or such, but like, but it didn't give you a, a lot chance. of anger came by realizing the church ruined this opportunity. Well, at my, at... Like, yeah, like, because I'm one of those, like, and I feel like this very strongly, and I like to hold myself accountable for everything that happens in my life. Like, I'm a victim. Like, I'm one of the victims. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really feel like my marriage and a big part mm-hmm. of it was the LDS church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't think anybody deserves that to happen. I think that's like a, like to have a religion, to have something like that, that is more important than like a family bond or relationship with like kids and this and that is just like, it's kind of disgusting, honestly. Yeah. And for people not to recognize that and not to even like, not even like the fact that we're doing this podcast and like, so many of us feel like even guilty putting our voices out talking about this stuff because we know judgment's going to come our way and people are going to be like, well, you're part of the anti-Mormon now. And it's like, if you want to call it that, go for it. I don't really care anymore because you're letting people suffer right now in silence. Mm-hmm. And like so- people need to speak up and people need to like address this stuff because people are losing babies adoption people are mm-hmm. like losing lives if they're homosexual people are losing like marriages kids and like it's just so much bad when like you want to just ignore that stuff when it's a reality it really and it's just right. makes me like this is why i started this podcast because it breaks my heart to see the people struggling that don't deserve to be struggling yeah and there's such just so many really great people. Yeah. Who just think so little of themselves. Yeah. Because of it. But it's like the people like you too that were so like just trapped in like your mindset because of this church where like 
you had a hard time being there for your husband when he was going through like probably the hardest time of his life. Yeah. But like, you didn't know how to break yourself out of that. And it's like yeah. to have a platform where you can talk and try to help people. It just mm-hmm. seems the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. What you're doing right now, I feel like it's super helpful. And like putting your voice out there is just like, it'll help people that you don't even realize. And it's just, at least you're taking like your hardships and using them to like better other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, um, so it's okay. Just try to get to the, um, but yeah, so, but I, so going back to mother-in-law, um, we moved in with them for like six months before we bought a house when she was really sick and Uh she, like, I know there was a time where like she couldn't walk and she tried to get up and she fell on the ground and she couldn't, she couldn't get up. So she, my boys were in there with her and they sent me or she sent them to come get me. So I had to go help her. I mean, this is like somebody who like does everything herself, you know, like on top of everything. And I'm just seeing her like become weaker and weaker. And so I, I'm like, do you want me to help you get up? Do you want me to lay here? And she's like, just lay with me for a minute. So I'm just laying with my mother-in-law on the floor. Uh And then eventually I help her get in her bed and I'm there to, like, it is just so sad to watch someone die from cancer. So she, she ended up dying um, in February, 2019. So I'm still in the church when she died. Yeah. But my husband's not. And I had promised her, like, I'm going to stay with Jordan. And you work on that side of the veil and I'll work on this side of the veil. We're going to get him back. (laughs) That's, and that's a commitment to make to somebody. And then you feel this like responsibility that you just, it's almost like, the temple covenant promise all over again, but to somebody that like you made a you promise know personally. Yes. Yeah, so you, you feel this obligation to live up to that promise, yeah. which isn't fair to you once again. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's, I mean, that might be the second most painful thing in my life is like yeah. losing her because she was like the mom I didn't have. She was like the empathetic mom Mm -hmm. and the one who like really loved being a grandma. And I knew how much that was going to hurt my oldest who was so close to her. And when your kids hurt, like you really hurt. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, I mean, like even the mortician was surprised at how thin she was. Right. Like she's very, I mean, she's five, nine. She, she, she maybe weighed 60 pounds. Oh, wow. She's. Yeah, it's it, it, and that was that's that, that was sort of traumatizing to me to see her that way for a while. Yeah, like I, it's weird. Like usually, like you know, like this weird thing. Like people say they start to look like their pets. You know, like sometimes. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. If there's anything behind this, but it was just like because I loved her so much, I felt like my body was also deteriorating as hers was. Like my temples started indenting. My cheeks were, like, I was the skinniest I had been in a really long time. Like, I looked frail. Yeah. From her being so sick. And I just went into such a deep depression watching her die. Yeah, that's a tough thing. And I couldn't, like, that's what I had met. I hadn't struggled with depression before. And watching her die has, like, not given me life 
back since or very, until recently, I guess. Yeah. How it was just really hard. But this happened. So this happened before you left. The before church. I left the church. Yes. So I'm grieving her. Yeah. And then in the same year as when I leave the church. And then in the middle, I'm grieving my own mom. Uh-huh. Because she is not the mom I grew up with. And she's not been the same since my parents got divorced. And so, I mean, I remember I was in a really low place, right? Because when you're a Mormon woman, you're trying to do everything, right? Yeah. Like, my husband and I were both in grad school while having three kids and working. Oh, and wow. we flipped a house at one point too. Lot, in there. Lot, it's a lot. lot. It's a lot. Like I'm getting to like burnout mode, like where I'm just, so I'm burnout. I'm depressed. I'm missing Diane like crazy. I don't have answers for my kids when they want grandma, like not helpful answers. And I could like, I remember like our lot, we had like no clean clothes. And I guess you just feel so guilty when your kids come in and they're just like, mom, I don't have any clothes to put on. And it's like, oh, well, those, that pile's clean. Just go grab them. Like, you just feel like such a shitty mom yeah. when it gets to that point. And I remember, like, my mom would, my mom, like, wants me to need her, but she doesn't actually want to help. Yeah. And so anytime I would ask for help, she'd be like, well, call your bishop or call your Relief Society president. And when I would never ask anybody for help, she would tell me how prideful I was that I wouldn't ask for help. When in my mind, I was thinking, like, when you're like, own mom doesn't want to help you, like, why would you ask anybody else for help? Like, if yeah. I'm an inconvenience to my mom, then I'm an inconvenience to everyone else. Yeah. And so I remember it took a lot of courage. And, and there's plenty of things I'd asked her for, and it was like a no. Yeah. Because, like, she was going to watch her kids one weekend, but, like, a distant cousin on my dad's side of the family who she lived by was having a baby shower, and she had to go. She was going to help one week, and, like, my dad's cousin was getting released from the bishopric he was in, so she had to go. Like, we're always put on the back burner for stuff for church and other people. And so I don't ask her for help much, and I remember, like, this was the moment of, like, I'm standing on the edge of the cliff, and she just pushed me off. And that day, she, she died to me as a mom, and I had to grieve her. I called her, and I said, Mom, I really need help doing my laundry, like if someone, and I would pray, I'd be like, please let me call her. Please just let somebody come over and just be like, how can I help you? And I'd be like, if you could just do my laundry, that would be so nice. And it like never came. And so I finally, in my like weakest hour, call my mom was like, will you please, will you please come down and do my laundry? And she said, you know, Alessandra, I've showed you how to do the laundry so many times and you just don't keep up with it. So no, I'm not going to help you. And I just was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I hung up the phone and I just cried. And I was like, I don't, I don't have anything. Like, I don't have a mom anymore. Like she's gone. Like I have no mom. So 2019 was such a rough year. It's like, I've lost both of our moms and I've lost church. And I've realized what a huge mistake I made in my in adoption and all these things. And then we were struggling financially. We thought about moving in with my father-in-law because now he's got this big house to himself. But it was like, I don't want to live with my father-in-law. I don't want to take a step back. And I was so lonely. Like, I remember saying how lonely I was when it, I only had his mom to talk to. I'd be like, I'm so lonely. Your mom's the only friend I have. She's like my stay-at-home mom friend. And I was like, she's not here. She's not here. And I was like, I have nobody. I have no support. 
And and so then like someone on Instagram had reached out who had he had just left the church. He also had three little boys. He was like a doctor. He lived in a different state. And we're just talking about experiences of leaving the church and how good it feels to like drink or smoke or something. But my husband took that as such a threat and was like this is how a fair start. And I was like, you're right, they do, but I'm also aware. Like, I know that's how they start, and that's not what this is. Like, I, like, when you leave the church, you really need support, and you really need people who understand. Yeah. And my husband was so far past it that he didn't care anymore. Like, he wasn't angry. He didn't feel like talking. Like, he, it had been years. Like, he really had moved on. Yeah. And it was like, I don't want to, like, if I have a question, I can ask it, but I just felt like... I was probably annoying him that he was like, That's... I'm over it. I don't want to hear about it. And so I was like, I need to talk to people who this is new. Like what his best friend left the church. Like he was like, Hey dude, have you read this? And his friend read the CS letter and they left together. Yeah. And like they had each other to talk to for the first couple of years about it. And I was like, I don't have anyone. None of my siblings were in the church anymore. I was no longer all, any friends I had weren't in the church anymore. Like I, it was nice because I didn't have a lot of people to disappoint and leave besides an audience on Instagram or Ward or something. But like, as far as people close in my life, my mom was the only one active still. Yeah. And so, but it was like, but like my siblings never cared that much. Their hearts weren't as invested. So it didn't hurt them to leave. And so he, I, and so it just came down to this like desperate moment of just being like, I have lost everything and now I've lost my husband. Like now my husband thinks I'm possibly having an affair when I'm not. And, and I have no one to talk to. And so on like a Sunday morning, I woke up and was just like, I don't know I can do this. And like, I had already knew like how bad, like maternal depression is like a cause in so many issues with kids. Like, yeah. It's like the mom's mental health is probably the biggest factor in the health of your kids. And I just was like, I'm screwing them up. Like, I'm so depressed. Like, I remember my son seeing a picture of me smiling and he was like, mom, like, I really like your smile or something like, and I realized he said that because he didn't see it anymore. I was like, he never sees me smile. And like, I had tried antidepressants then. Because I was like, I have to do something. I didn't want to take them. I hated them. And I didn't want to. But I was like, but I have, like, I'm to that point of desperation that I have to try them. Because my own kids don't remember what it's like to see mom smiling. And, and I tried them and they weren't working. After, I mean, they take months and I did it for months and it wasn't working. And then I, like, tried cutting down on them to wean off because it said not to just cold turkey go off of them. Yeah. And so then that morning I end up <clears throat> like my husband went looking for me after I, I went for a drive to try to calm down. I wrote a, like a note, a goodbye note with just like everything, like here's everything. Like I was the one in charge of the finances. So it's like, here's passwords. Here's how you handle this. Like, I hope my life insurance money like takes care of you guys. Like I, I really hope this didn't screw our kids up, but like, I feel like me being depressed would screw them up more. <laughs> And I really wish I would have got to meet Kaysen for son and just all these things. Like, please let him know how much I love him. And then I come back home and the front door was locked. Like, the, we had like a screen. I couldn't get in, so I had to get in through a window. And 
I was just like not sure I was gonna do it I read a text from him and I just said like I love you guys so much but I can't do this and I really hope I see you again and I started the car in the garage because like I'm not like a hurt myself person so I want to go easy and I already knew like I had always known if I was gonna kill myself it was gonna be carbon monoxide like and so I go in the garage and I start the car and I leave the note next to me and I'm just like wondering what's like I was like, he'd probably be home in 15 minutes. But, like, I was like, I just need him to know, like, how serious this is. Like, I'm in such a bad place. And I just didn't feel like he he got it. And so it was like, I'm not sure I necessarily want to. I don't know if I want to die or not. But, like, I can't keep doing life like this. Yeah. And so I smoked weed because that makes you fall asleep faster. And then just, like, had a blanket on me and turned up music. And it was very calming, actually. And and then the garage opens, and I fell asleep instantly. It was like once I knew my husband was there, I just passed out. And so I pass out, and he runs in, opens the door, takes the keys out of the car, backs back, and I was like, what is going on? And then two police officers walk in my garage on each side. And one was trying to help calm me down, and the other one was a bitch to be honest he sucked and he like saw the note and I went to grab it and he wanted to say that was like attacking him so he's on the passenger side I'm in the driver's seat he like reaches and grabs my arm and pulls me through the car out pushes me against my car and tells the other guy to handcuff me he was like well you were trying to attack me and I was like no I wasn't I wanted my note back because it's not for you to read yeah, so anyway, they ended up taking me to the mental hospital, and I, I mean, I was just livid at my husband at this point, because I am sitting here like, I mean, I don't trust police officers for the most part, right? I'm like, they seriously could have pulled over and raped me and did whatever the hell they wanted to me, Yeah. and it wouldn't have mattered, and no one would have believed me, and I have done a pretty good job all my life to not put myself in a situation for something like that to happen and if that would have happened on his because my husband called the police like I like I was screaming and I mean and not to to mention that my children are in the car behind my car my children see the police officer push me against a car and handcuff me and take me and I'm like you seriously just did this in front of me like I didn't break any law I was like what is going on like they asked they were like did she have any weapons and he was like no and I was like he told you I didn't have weapons I'm not a I'm five I was like 115 pounds like I'm not a threat to two grown men with weapons I have no weapon on me at all like they wanted to see my medication I was like I didn't take too much I was like I told my husband where it was but I had tried to get away at some point like I tried to run to my house I think and then they like were upset with that or whatever and oh that's when they had handcuffed he pulled me through and then I had Tried to get December first, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yep, it's my father-in-law's birthday, so that sucked because he showed up at the house because my husband had called him. So he shows up when I'm screaming at him and seeing all this, and I just was so upset with him for the longest time. Like, you watch this police officer push me up against a car and all this, and you said nothing. And he just felt like the worst husband for a long time, and kind of blacked out. And later in talking to his dad, he actually had stepped to try to like to def- like get in there, but his dad stopped him 
because in oh, his mind okay. he was like why didn't i do anything like that's my wife they're treating this way like why didn't i do anything yeah and then his dad was like because i stopped you because i realized if you did something you could get killed and like when you're like fight or flight's going like crazy which it was i was like all i wanted to do was run away i was like i have to get out of this situation i was like but if run my kids are gonna watch their mom get shot so, so this is gonna take everything to like another yeah. level it's of taking depression. everything in me i was like if i wasn't a therapist i don't know like if i had had the training and how to like calm myself down like i probably would have ran and they probably would have shot me or something and so and it's like over a mental health issue. Like I wasn't a threat to anyone else. My husband told you we don't have any weapons. We don't have guns. We don't, like we don't yeah. have, I had no way to hurt you. And like, then they take me and they call the hospital and they're like, yeah, we have like a hostile person or something like that. And I'm just sitting there like, I just wanted to go in my house and talk to my husband. So. Yeah. Wow. So then like we can so end is... we can end there and talk about how I get better later. <laughs> yeah, man. That uh that's a lot for you to That's <laughs> a... no wonder you were nervous to come on here. Yeah. Cuz you got oh, a lot of shit. <laughs> well, no, but like that's the thing we all do and like nobody talks about it and it's like how many people are in your exact same shoes right now that are like up, that have a plan that feel the exact same way you feel and they have no idea like like I do want to do because I, I have to go pick up my kids Yeah, no, you're <laughs> but I do want to do one about like where you're at now yeah yeah because I think that's like that... that's what people need they need to know like how they can get better from this exactly like because... how, how can you be in such a dark place and then get better because I'm I mean I'm crying now but but it's like I'm a lot better <laughs> better now. Yeah, but it's like you said though, it's like uh like this mental health stuff cuz I wasn't I was in a very similar spot to you. Like yeah. I didn't know what to do. Mine was more like alcohol. I used alcohol just to escape. Like I had a yeah. bottle in my closet. I'd get home from work and I'd go upstairs yeah, yeah. and I'd pour a glass and I'd go in the shower and I'd drink it and then like yeah. that was like an everyday thing for me for like I don't even know how long. Yeah, and... I remember hearing that and messaging you and being like how you felt like I just felt so hurt for you when I heard you say that because that was the place in life I was in when I listened to that. And I yeah. was like crying in my shower and just like, oh, yeah, Tyler used to cry in his shower and drink alcohol, you know, and like message you like that's yeah. the place I'm in and I want I want to get better and I don't know how. And so that's why your yeah. podcast meant like so much because I was like, he's he's doing better. Like, I want to be like that. Like he's, I know he's been at a dark place like me and he's yeah. better now. So like you gave me hope. Well, I appreciate, like, I really honestly like appreciate you coming on like more than you could ever know because this kind of stuff is so difficult. Like it's so difficult to put yourself out there and like sometimes you do it and you're like, D sometimes I do these podcasts and I'm like, did this even help anybody? I've had like, so many people reach out and just say like you have no idea what this one meant what this one meant and it's like it really honestly it will it will touch somebody and like just you putting your message out there is it's huge it's huge and like i think this part of it is good because 
everybody feels like alone in their suffering and their pain because we don't talk about it. Yeah. And so the more you talk about it, the more you like verbalize it, the more it becomes okay to feel the way that you feel. And then, then people can like get better. Yeah. So was there anything else you wanted to like, did you want to say anything <laughs> to, to end it before? <laughs> cause we will, I'll, I'll be back on and do another yeah. one like really soon. Cause I think. Yeah. Cause I like took notes. And so I have like this page of like the things that contributed to healing and overcoming, but that would take us longer, you know, you so I think just those struggles or just getting that out there has been therapeutic for me to get out and hopefully help somebody else to be like I've been in that place and just like for anybody who has struggled with that and wanting to die like it gets better yeah so you you feel like right now you're in a much like a better a much better headspace yeah yeah well good well, I like, I love the fact that like what I'm trying to do is helping yeah. and I'm glad that you would come on and be a part of it. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll, uh, we'll reach out and we'll do another one. Okay. All right. In the next, just as soon as we can. Okay. Sounds good. Just let me know. All right. Talk to you later. Appreciate it. Have fun thank with your you. kids. Love you guys. All right. Bye. Bye.